0: Welcome to the M-Word, the Manx Sports Podcast brought to you by Martin, that's me, and Matt, that's him. Welcome back. Hi Matthew, hi. We're going to plow straight in because we've got loads to get through today. First of all, I just want to thank our sponsors, uh, billboards.im. If you want to get your brand out there, they're the guys to go and see digital advertising boards around the island. Get your brand out, go and chat to the guys, That they'll help you with the future of advertising. So, we're joined by Roy. Hel-
1: Hello Roy, how are you? Not so bad at all. Appreciate mm-hmm. you the wilds of balancella <laughs> on a sunday night is always good value <laughs> <laughs> how romantic it sounds uh before
0: we get going i mean i think there's a million things to talk about uh, but before we i suppose before we dig into it what i first want to do and, and following on from some earlier episodes we did ripping off the bbc and hopefully they won't come after us again and yeah, sue us uh, is to do a quick game show uh, just to just to set the scene a little bit so hopefully we'll recognize the theme tune as it as it kicks in that's a bit of question of sport which I'm sure we all know from a I'm trying to think the night it used to be on was it a Thursday night question yeah I don't know it's still on yeah, actually still going. we'll call it a question of manx sport manx sport that would be better yeah so obviously subject matter for yourself there's a thousand different types of sports but I suppose best known certainly voice wise for the TT in the commentary around that so just just some quiz questions we've got five to run through I can guarantee you won't get all five if that's a challenge for you we'll start with easy ones <laughs> so who has the most senior TT wins
1: yeah well that's always the ones where you, th- you think of all the things I would be thinking it would have to be John McGuinness
0: he actually joined holes that was somewhere else
1: yeah who would that be now maybe Joey No. she's actually in fairness yeah but yeah Mike, I know I've just Mike, read I've Mike just read Mike. Uh, re- yeah Mike Halewood would be a possibility because yeah, no when you go back to the 60s you think of Agostini with unchallenged senior wins it's been pretty competitive over the last uh, period of time like yeah. decades and uh, they had it for fun yeah so yeah. you tend to forget them
0: yeah they were kind of streets ahead weren't
1: they yeah early 70s was dominated by MV augusta and then of course you go back beyond that and you've got the john Surtees era yeah right but he was pretty dominant so yeah good i'm glad i got john McGuinness because <laughs> he's a good lad yeah and i like uh, the bike just uh, the one that always springs to mind when you talk about Ramsey hairpin he was due he'd done a 129 mile an hour lap and was due at Ramsey hairpin Manx radio handed over as they normally do and he didn't appear All right. and of course instantly when that yeah. happens mm. uh, you're thinking where is he where is he where is he and then I think I got a text but you can't do everything when you're on on air live uh, that he'd stopped And actually, what had happened, he'd come out of Parliament Square, I think it was on the HM plant Honda.
2: And the rear chain broke. Yeah, that's right.
1: And was lying in the road. And uh, I think it was a big disappointment to him because nobody found the chain. Oh, really? No, it was snappled up by somebody, but he was distraught. It's on eBay somewhere, yeah. Yeah, because a mechanical failure like that. I mean, he's had other uh, kind of things where they've happened where. Uh, a sensor will, will yeah well, you've you parked on the left-hand side at glenn helen sat the on the edge yeah uh, crying his uh, eyes out probably but he wouldn't he wouldn't see it and small, then, the
0: smallest thing
1: yeah so it, it's yeah that's a good one it's a good one
0: so, so second up then yeah so bear in mind we're getting harder to go along well like we think we are anyway who was the first rider to achieve 10 10 tt wins
1: stanley woods yeah, i would think would yeah, be the one because indeed. that was the record hail it was after right and nobody got near it and then Halewood came along and again, he wasn't unchallenged, he had Jim Redmond to beat, he had Phil Reed to beat, and he got his first win in 61, and then went on to choke up, when he got that last senior win in 79, oh. uh, 14. Oh. So Stanley Woods was the man, tough men in those days though, Stanley Woods and all that. When you look at the photographs of how they had to negotiate, you know, the, the conditions on oh. the road, and what they were riding, and what they had to cope with—they were—they were tough. Yeah, tough. I
0: mean, you go back. I suppose right. To, you look at the early days of the the state of the mountain, and the, you know the stories of having to open the gate
1: to get yeah. through. I'm 73, but I can't go back. to <laughs> no, <that>. no, no, I'm <laughs> not. <You can. laughs>
0: so, so next up then. Uh, so we've got a couple left. Is at which corner of the TT course did Murray Walker uh, first commentate?
1: I think Murray would probably have done Bala mm, Yep, indeed. Yeah, yeah stood yeah. in the middle of the road. Would you believe? Really, it was a classic photograph. You
0: not fancy doing that yourself?
1: <laughs> not really, no. I mean, you know the story. You know the, story, you know the story about Ramsey Airpin when uh, when my young fella started racing, I backed out for obvious reasons. And there was one particular instance where I think it was uh, Chris Boyd and right. Pat O'Hanlon has been on the, the stopwatches for. God, 46 years, 47 years now. And uh, Ryder came up, touched, and it was uh, Ago Murphy Grand Prix, uh, and they shook the commentary box. It nearly took it off its really? its uh, thing. We've had a few close shaves yeah. over the years with, where I've been sat there, TT and Grand Prix, yeah. but then safety at work got into action, and now uh, we're on a big scaffold. Yeah, up above, yeah. Up above, so yeah. they can't get at you. But uh yeah, no, that's yeah, that's a slightly yeah. different one, that one. Uh, so
0: this s- is a, uh, these last two are particularly hard, I think. Not that and I'm yeah. So it's uh, in which year did Suzuki claim their first TT win?
1: Mitsuyo Uh probably oh, that, <laughs> <not> that, <it's laughs> i haven't got the rider right, yeah. so I'll take a word the- for that. 60 would be either yeah you, oh you're a year out be ken bruce will be sending me something through the post <laughs> be either 62 well, i would think correct wow yeah. that's pretty wow. impressive
0: so when we were chatting yesterday you, you mentioned about obviously knowing every inch of the tt course so then it got me thinking about obviously the tt course is 37.73 miles yeah. but do you know how many inches it is
1: no well, <laughs> well, yeah <laughs> it's always been always one. been a bone of contention that and right. when you when you get into controversy about what length is the TT course, Brandish Corners changed, yeah. Windy Corners changed, Quarry Bends is unrecognisable, Snugbra totally different than what it is yeah, now, yeah. and there was a fella called Charlie Rouse from Motorcycle News, and he got involved with a, a, a former cyclist that your know, your sport is cycling, called Dougie Baird. Okay. And they wanted to do a survey of the tt course and the only way fair way to do it is not hitting hitting apex to apex is the center of the road and they put a third wheel or a fifth wheel on a car and drove round in the center one very early morning but of course when they came back with and saying it's not 37 and three quarters it's 37 and nearly 38 uh, that was in the old days before these alterations right. took place right. so going round through the center wouldn't affect the course as it is now too much really yeah yeah you know like hitting the apex you could you could take bits off it yeah so you and, look at uh, like Hill, uh, yeah yeah the top of hillbury, hillbury brandish, well, brandish I mean. yeah, it yeah, was yeah. railings on the inside yeah, yeah. and stuff so it's it's always a always a kind of a thing but i think they're kind of written in stone now that it's 37 and three quarters and it always will be
0: where uh, where did that first measurement come from Do you know, yeah I well know they that they, they,
1: i don't know about the tt course but i know full well down here in the southern hundred uh, that's recorded well recorded when they decided in 50 i think they thought about it in 54 with the success of Derek Ennerton. And George Castain and the Manx Grand Prix that they wanted to hold a race meeting on the Southern 100 Ballown. and In the old days the farmers and, and that were involved and the it was a fella from that was working at the airport in the control tower And he measured it with a chain Now a chain I think is 22 yards or something right. like that and they went round center of the road again with all that with three hairpins on it center of the road and belown hasn't changed it's been resurfaced but the basis of belown uh colas belown circuit is exactly the same so maybe they came up by doing that uh, but there again it it seems complicated i I think a chain is 22 yards it's a farming measurement isn't it chain don't know idea right eight furlongs one mile and all oh, this right, okay. kind of uh, stuff that you don't know not anything about
0: well that brings me on to the first question we tend to ask every guest and with with your accent we might have that and know the answer already but when we look at you having a chat about yourself initially and, and maybe getting back to sport it in a short while are you, a, are you a come over or are you Manx or Manx is the hills? Oh my God,
1: come over? No, no, grandparents <laughs> right, kind of, going back to When Glenmay. You hung the phone saying yes to me yesterday. <laughs> yeah. I assumed you weren't here. No, 73 years born and bred. Right. Um, you folks have been off, off the well. island. Uh, it was a lovely story about when you're talking about doing these little chats like about uh, a golfer that comes to like Godfrey Kelly. And sadly, we've just lost David Collister. And he did all lovely interviews with true Manxmen, you know, like farmers, butchers, and all that. And he did an interview with Godfrey Kelly's uh, father down at Peel, and he said, uh, "Have you ever been off the island?" He said, "Oh, I've only been off the island once." He said I fell off Peel Harbor <laughs> <laughs> <It's laughs> as, uh, as <laughs> Yes, yeah, as far as he got. but no, I'm yeah'm uh, yeah, I'm, uh, yeah family nice. tree goes back all man In fact. Uh, when you, I don't know how, how far up you are on Manx history, but a great, great, great uncle of mine is uh, is world renowned. He didn't get the credit for it, but the person who did get the credit for it gave William Kinish the credit for devising the route of the Panama Canal. Oh, really? And he was a true Manxman. No. Never, never spoke a word of English. Uh, served his time in Ramsey as a carpenter right. went to the British Navy and rose to chief carpenter in the British Navy wow. and devised and put together all kinds of inventions for the benefit of the British Navy when they were in conflict right. wow. and the main one that he did was uh, lining cannons up like if you can imagine on the Ben McCree trying to line a cannon up it would be up and down right, right, and he yeah. built a device which kept the 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 movement up for the device i think uh, it's called uh, for uh, broad sh- broadside on a ship okay and that give them an advantage right wow so that's totally incidental from sport but yeah, it's, yeah, uh, no no that's that just shows you how far he was down corney and he always spoke manx all his life oh he had to be taught english oh, wow. for obvious reasons when he went to the british navy right
2: right
1: can you speak manx
2: no, no, never
1: learned. Never learned. Right. Uh, probably to my embarrassment, I suppose. Now, when it's so prolific, yeah. some terrific uh, people. But then, I'm hard enough to understand when I'm speaking English. <laughs> so if you started, Manx It would be. Uh, is there much, yeah.
0: much teaching going on on the island now with Manx I think I know they is. were doing it in the school. One school, I think. This is a while ago now.
1: Yeah, there's the it's again, it's, it's a trait of kind of nations in it or where you live. Probably people who come to the island uh, to live have got more interest in learning how to speak Manx than Manx people who've been here for, in my instance, 73 years and a couple of months. Mm-hmm. So it's a bit embarrassing. It was only a few, well towards the end of last year that i made a visit to the car for man right, oh, right. Know, okay. made yeah, I've never ambition. Been there. yeah right. ambition to go on the car for man right lovely place to go yeah the history of it and all that went on and everything it was great
0: we all might be sticking people with coronavirus on there next week
1: yeah it could know. well be yeah. Yeah. or maybe everyone who hasn't got it can go there <laughs> so
0: where back so did you grow up on the island
1: i was born in park avenue four park avenue which uh yeah, you say, where's She's that? She's up in Douglas in the main Douglas, ah, yeah, yeah. yeah. A couple of hundred yards from the start-finish of the TT course.
0: Yeah, right. So maybe it was destiny to always yeah. Well, integrated uh, as part of your life. I,
1: I suppose it would be a connection between where I was born and, again, where I've lived has always been an influence in, in how your life spans out. But when I was born in Park Avenue, I was uh, a war baby. Okay. Apparently, the, the story goes that people came home full of lust, from wars <laughs> service not really no it's, it's <laughs> one thing that you try to avoid but at the same time 1947 February the second uh, I arrived right? and I didn't know it at the time but I had a famous family well uh, two other brothers one was 13 years older than me and one was nine right. And the brother so obviously who, pre-war, pre-war. Pre-war, yeah. yeah. They, uh, I think Ken was 30, 1934, he was born, right. so that would be that. And Brian, 39, 38, uh, January 38, I think it was his uh, arrival. And then because of marriage arrangements, when I started to grow up, if you can call it that, <laughs> uh, I found out that I had a very close auntie and a very close uncle and a cousin. All
2: right.
1: Uh, called Jeff Cannell
2: okay yeah yeah
1: now Uncle Jack, Uncle Jack Uncle uh, Jack he rode in the Manx Grand Prix oh, right, okay. he competed you know very successfully too he was up there amongst them right and uh, he didn't compete I think he competed once after the war in 1946 but then it, when I arrived he completely retired Right. Uh, but then as it worked out activity like with me being so far behind I was dragged everywhere so it was a big advantage when you were living in Park right. Avenue and, and you had an uncle and an, again another thing that when you think back to your early time I could never understand when I was about five or six we always had to go to the pictures as we called them then right. in TT week and Grand Prix week and I wanted to know why to see Uncle Jack right uh, they'd done the film No Limit, George Formby, Florence Desmond, the legend of No Limit, and they booked an, a Canadian stunt team right. to come over and do all the, you know, the crashing and banging yeah, and falling off. Yeah, yeah. And they chickened out. I don't think there was any coronavirus around there at the time, <laughs> but they didn't arrive. So they asked the local motorcycle club, the Peveril Motorcycle Club, would they do it? Right. So Harold Rowell, another former Manx Grand Prix competitor and, and his brother, and one or two others, including Jack Cannell, did all the stunt sequences for No Limit. Oh, right, okay. So every time, you, could, you didn't have DVD, you didn't have a tape recorder, you didn't have anything, the only way you could see it was to go to the cinema right. two or three times in TT week <laughs> and two or three times in. Did
0: they play it every year then? did Oh they, yeah, it was it, a rare
1: right? and it was in different places. It was at the Royalty, it was at the Regal, it was at the Picture House, the Strand. Right. I don't think it interfered too much with the films they put on up at the <laughs> one and but uh, that's another story, <laughs> not connected with sport. Yeah. <laughs> we can drink it in, don't in, a, in a roundabout yeah, way. yeah. Well,
0: yeah, maybe as a sport. But uh, Uncle
1: Jack was there. Now I can I can watch him on DVD the full length. At least he was in the right movie and not yeah. the Uncle Part movie. And they got paid a good amount of money. Right, it was okay. really good. Like right. I mean, they they had sandwiches from the four down hotel for meals, and they weren't required all the time. Yeah. But when you well, know... have to
0: crash a bike through a building. Oh, apparently. yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> I'd want more than a sandwich as well. Well, that's it. I mean, there's a few uh, dramatic ones, isn't it, that uh, he wasn't involved in. He did the one, the crash sequence at Glen Helen. And then when they're riding up the Baller Hutchin, where number 15 is swerving in and out, he rode 15. Oh, right, okay. He was the uh, the bad fella from Sprocket. Oh, right, that okay. That was uh, out to get George. I've not seen that film for many. Years. Oh, yeah? You might have to mm. find it
0: on YouTube and have a watch later yeah. on.
1: Hey, hope you love me over <laughs> so, and Jeff Cannell this is another kind of startling piece of information that was getting relayed Jeff Cannell and myself because we'd watched it so many times knew every word all right, okay. from start to finish <laughs> and we would test one another out occasionally right. <laughs> like when we were in conversation or whatever it might be yeah. and all the classic ones come out and they wouldn't ride again for 50 quid and all this you know yeah, all that. Yeah. And uh, everything that was connected with no limit was part and parcel. But help. Jack was such a, a, a prolific person and well known. I showed you a couple of photographs earlier of him yeah. getting involved. That anything that we wanted when we went over across the road into the pit area for the weigh-ins or for just general, we got. Yeah, right. But then, it might not have thought it at the time. You were building your knowledge up. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so yeah. I'm 73 now, so pr- take five years off it, and yeah. probably that would be when in I'd like be first early mid yeah, 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 50s. Yeah, 50s. You see, yeah. war was over. We didn't know what had gone on in the war. I didn't at five, six years. Was your dad age. being
0: away a serving then?
1: Yeah, no. He, well, he was. Uh, he was mechanically right. minded, so he was. He was on the engineering side. Right. Same system. You had to be there to do it. Uh, but when they came back type of thing, it was, uh, you know, that's how the the term war, baby. Yeah, People yeah. born in 47. Right, yeah. My old man, my, uh,
0: was my old man, 47? 40, well, that was my mother. One of my two parents were born in 47. Yeah yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. But you didn't know anything about how unpopular the Germans were. And, yeah. you know, BMWs, Jack Cannell rode a BMW right. in the 1939 manx i think it was right. no it wouldn't be 39 earlier and he got slated by the right. local papers and right. john watterson wasn't even working for them then right. and he got slated for 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 riding a, a the enemy yeah type right of machine.
0: Did, did someone that i remember a story maybe somewhere of someone uh saluting on the podium the jerk the what's it called no, uh, if
1: you watch no I limit know. if you watch right. no limit look at the flags on the grandstand oh, right okay Nineteen thirty-five, it was made, right? And the swastika is as well prolific on the Mm -hmm. grandstand scenes.
0: I've just been listening to another podcast, actually. It's quite good. uh, It was like four hours long, (laughs) long podcast. But they were uh, reading through a book of a a a lady there, just completely side subject, really. But been in Auschwitz Uh, and gone to concentration camps there for nine months, and just yeah, it was like a well, it feels like I'm sure it was another world away, but yeah.
1: we're well, moving There's on, I suppose. We, we'll we'll recall uh, the the kind of when 1959, when Honda first arrived on the island, and there was an awful lot more people, even locally based. And I've got a few stories about that. Remind me if I do I forget of 59. I've got going through TT yeah, and 59. Yeah, fifties yeah. are in there. So yeah. So I've been scratching around. One sound that you that you heard in those days. Jeff Duke had arrived won the Grand Prix, you know, he was a future star, and they got the Jaliras, right. and we'd been brought over, and probably it'll be my first ever memory of the, of the TT, brought over to the grandstand one early morning practice. Reg Armstrong was his teammate. They were on four-cylinder Italian Joliras. and they didn't have megaphones on, they had straight pipes and Jeff Duke was showing his teammate round and they came down Glencrutchery Road and the sound, if I just close my eyes now, I can hear that sound in my head mm. off them going through, totally horrified by the, the the sound that I heard. And Uncle Jack saying, oh, he's showing them round. He's got him to tuck in behind him. He's showing Armstrong round. Right. Mm. And that would be, if you look at the record books, probably 52, 53, right. so it would be five. Yeah. And that was how it
0: went. And how would you describe those sounds, like they, those deep Just
1: absolute fierce. There was nothing like it. Right. Br- the British hadn't produced anything in, f- in more than one cylinder. The big thumping Manx Norton sounded lovely on full chat going down Glencrutchery Road yeah. past... Hotchkiss's nurseries, Aye. where we were spectating from, and uh, yeah, Velocet Set was good, right. and we'd heard all them—the A.G.S., Matchless, and, and various others—but that four-cylinder, and of course later on in '57, the eight-cylinder Guzzi came along. So that was another kind of thing. Motor Guzzies were winning, but they were very reliable, handled well, and they were only single cylinders right. until they said. What well, we could do with more than one. They didn't do anything other than a single or an eight.
0: Oh, right, okay.
1: They didn't have four cylinders or anything like right. that. And Bill Lomas and Sanford and the, the, the boys were winning on the Guzzies. Right. Keith Campbell, who's uh, married Jeff Dukes. Uh, he, Bill, uh, Keith Campbell would be Jeff Dukes' brother-in-law. Right. And right. he's buried up in the, the borough. Right. He was a Guzzy Works rider who won the World Championship. Really? For motor
2: guzzy.
1: Right, okay. So just to go
0: back a little bit back to your you obviously biking's obviously already at an early stage in your life, very part of that. You obviously become a very good golfer. When was golf sort of when did that become something you got involved with and was doing on a regular basis?
1: Well, as I said mentioned before, my life went about where we were living. And my granny owned uh, Park Avenue. I didn't realise she was poorly, you you went to see your granny, she was in bed. Because of the closeness of Jeff Cannell's mother and my mother, they were the ones who were designated to look after her, because her husband, long gone, uh, but she was a kind of a child bride, and he had a, a, a ready made family. I had Auntie Flo and Auntie Katie and Uncle Jack, but I didn't really know the family connection. So my grandmother owned Park Avenue. She died 1956, so we had to get out. So the next port of call for us was uh, Prospect Terrace down there in a the flat above a shop called Ernest Kelly's. Right. So you're kind of going into a whole new area then of, of different people. Yeah. Some great people you know, to play with around that area and seeing how things unfolded when the summer came along, how every house became a boarding house, how mm. coaches were parked in the middle of Christian Road to take people around the island. Yeah, you'd go down to the Villa Marina and listen to Ivy Benson's band, and Jeff Cannell got a job selling fleeces ice cream from a tray going round on a brilliantly hot, sunny afternoon with Ivy Benson and oh, uh, wow. Burners, as they were called. Uh. Playing and, and away so that's how it came about a fella came over from Ireland to uh, stay for the summer in what was affectionately known as Maggie Spitz chip shop so he said what we what we doing today we got fed up with going to the gooseneck we'd fed up going to the thing. let's go and have a game of golf so never had any idea of what was involved in golf but at the back of the grandstand was a pitch and put golf course. Mm. The actual shelter that you were paid the money was right down by where the Phil Hogg Rescue Unit and the, the Rob Vine Fund are located now. Mm. I think I and, remember
0: that. When did that go? That's been Well, upgrade. I think it
1: would be, I don't know, it, it was, it took in part of, it's not, wasn't the pitch and put that you know, oh, right, that I you might know yeah, because yeah. of the age difference, but the story goes that that was the first golf shot I ever hit. and I would probably be about eight then, was on the pitch and put at the back of the grandstand. But then with the increase in traffic, bearing in mind that there wasn't all that many cars on the road in those days, the increase in traffic meant that when people came to the TT, they needed a place to park. So what they did, the field in Upper Dukes Road that was there was what was known as the Donkey Field, or Dunky D-U-N-K-E-Y, donkey field so they had an idea then that they would transfer the pitch and put from the back of the grandstand take all the turf off it move that down to what is the donkey field and then that would give them free it up now for the parking that, as we know it now Right, okay. where the line goes from the fir trees up yeah, to right. the Manx Grand Prix office yeah, and right. that was all tarmacked I would be thinking that would probably be about 68, 69 Right, right and so my first ever golf shot was on at the back of the grandstand <laughs> so connecting two sports yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, big fan of
3: golf on your first go
1: yeah the first shot i ever hit Hole in one <laughs> no i, kn- I knocked at whatever you're supposed to do you yeah it you, you was off wood yeah and you didn't have a tee. met plastic tees. you had a, a wad of sand okay right. and you had would be equivalent of a five iron which was known as a mashie and a putter and that was the pitch and the putt was the putter yeah, yeah, right. and a ball that you wouldn't throw out to use. And the first shot I ever hit, I knocked it up somewhere near the green. But when I grip the club, and it's a common complaint, if, you, if you, people go to grip things, they grip left hand below right. You okay. know, like, like cricket or yeah. whatever it is, sometimes the natural instinct is to grip it left below right. But oh. then, the, the correct grip for golf, the Varden grip, it's another story behind that too, uh, which, if we've got another three or four hours <laughs> later, I'll tell you about. Uh, there was a Varden lived at uh, Church Bends on the Southern coast. Right. course. Okay. There was a Varden who was the pro at uh, what was known as Shea Golf Club right. on the run out from Quarterbridge to Braddon. Yeah, right. And he was a Varden. And, but Harry Varden develop the grip where you interlock your little finger off, off your right hand with the, the f- first finger of the left hand and then turn it over so that you grip the club right below left and the two V's off your 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 thumb there point to your right, right. shoulder. Ah, right, okay. And that you watch any golf tournament, that is the traditional grip now. You mm. can interlock or overlap Okay. But you're always, the right yeah. hand is below the left because right. the natural swing back is to turn the left. When you go back on the left, is not to have anything interfering with it, which would be the case if you gripped it the other way.
2: Yeah, so
0: I grip. Yeah, so I go left. Just natural to me. I, I
1: yeah.
0: played a little bit of golf with my mother, but left is on top. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Liam Cowan, manager of Russian United, off right. the record, plays left hand below right. Oh, right. plays okay. very very well indeed, right. but yeah. he just did that. Pully lads usually gripped it like that, right? Okay, it's probably when they were doing the bank robberies they <laughs> just <it> easier <laughs> yeah, getting duffed
0: up by them. So then, uh, I presume you obviously then went more on to
1: I call them bigger golf yeah, courses, well, when main golf courses. I, I uh, later on I became involved. Uh, I got interested in then, and then when they transferred that golf course to the bottom. Where it is now, where the dog walking area is, uh, that's where I first started getting involved with right. a chap called Elfie Rigby, and we just haunted the place like right. all summer. Right. Was there
3: uh, popular around that time?
1: Oh yeah, yeah, thing. But it was popular, but pitch and put was the only place you could really exploit it. Uh, if you went out onto the big course, you needed mm. a more bats or clubs. And you needed all the gear and you needed to pay a reason- reasonable amount of money. And golf in the early days was only for, the, for those who could afford it. it yeah. well seen, right? You notice all the records of, uh, of the championship and stuff like that. Will Kirkpatrick, you know, oil mogul, mm-hmm. and his brother, and, and, and builders, and lawyers, and dentists yeah. were all those who could do it. And the championship started. This indicates it, really. Uh, it was played on a Thursday, because right. that's the day in the old days that people were off work, oh, right, off okay. that ilk. Right. Okay. The lawyers always had Thursday afternoon oh, off, yeah. so they would go for a game of golf. Saturday, Sunday was Sunday was was out for anything anyway. Lord's Day observance, society and things, football and all that was just a no-no on a, on a Sunday. Sunday. So it's hard to imagine, or or it's difficult for to somebody to grasp that. Yeah. No traffic and not being allowed to sneeze on a Sunday. You had to go to church, Sunday school.
2: Again,
0: isn't, we in the middle of the corona thing, isn't that exactly what's happening now? No one's allowed out. No, <laughs> no well that's right, sneeze. yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, we're, we're, like I'm f- four months. oh I'll, I'll have some records by the, by the time four months comes, right? But then again, <laughs> if you play golf and you go out to play a round of golf, which takes three and a half hours, yeah. who are you affecting? on a golf course yeah, exactly. with the current situation of yeah, yeah. the coronavirus yeah, exactly yeah
0: just keeping away mass, yeah.
3: mass group. so jump in, So, how come you were able to get involved then with being quite young and then going on the, the full course
1: yeah we just come? just came about because again the next move was prospect terrace to onkin and this is kind of jumping Uh, like kind of keeping the sequence Mm -hmm. but I I can tell you how it came about that we got involved in it because when we moved from Prospect Terrace to Onkin, we we were then in Avondale Road which was absolutely slap bang in the Clips course now in the early days of the TT not going back to St John's but the mountain course the 125, 250s and sidecars couldn't survive the 37 and three quarter miles no matter how many corners they cut or anything like that the climb up the mountain just wasn't on for 125 power rather than fuel power right. and just you know frail engines no two strokes they were all you know normal four stroke configuration and they just the Italians dominated at that time as well on the on the on the world championship <clears throat> but when they came to the Isle of Man even they found it difficult to go around. Right. so they abandoned them there was only two sidecar races ever held, 1926-27, uh, because the sidecars, you can imagine, trying to haul two blokes round mm. and up the mountain. Yeah. So it was abandoned. And then they said, well, we, we need a world championship involvement with the TT, not only for the 350s and the 500s, but we need it for the sidecars 125 and 250. Yeah. So they devised the clips course, came up with a road circuit, which incorporated some of the mountain course going backwards, yeah. and we could do a lap for you. But at the same time, it's, it's yeah. Well,
0: no, well, you take a right, You go up to the Craig, don't you? Take a yeah, right? Not yeah, that yeah not, You, you go down no, uh, the, the five the cra- and a half, as I call five it. And half, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. That was. I thought to it was a corner bridge. which Was was a five and a half miles long, but it was five and a half miles into the lap oh really yeah so uh, that's right. how it came about oh. so we were living in avondale road and then 54 to 59 the bikes were going past the, the front, front gate. door yeah so they would come down to they- the
0: Whitebridge straight through honkin and yeah, then right at yeah. the manx arms
1: fabulous and that corner at, at the manx arms has not changed that parapet as barry would have called it has not changed one bit yeah. i walked past it the other night yeah. and just stood and come you know Digested it that yeah. that has never changed. So yeah, if you, you look had, at the old yeah. photographs
0: that I've seen the old photograph around, and steady you know, you look at old photographs at certain elements of the TT course because yeah. things have been built up. It's sometimes hard to recognise, but you instantly know where that, if you know where Onken is and
1: yeah, the right, arms that's is good. So we had taveri we had Baldesberger, we had Ubiali, Bravini, we had sidecar crews which were still not forgiven for the war, even in 15. Right. 15- Five fifty-six. it right. was only a few years ago yeah yeah. and they came over to to, to contest the world championship So Schiedegger, Hillebrand Noll and Willie Faust and all that they were the, the names that were right at the front Eric Oliver seen them off on the Norton the first year 54 with a big streamlined version that was just so quick but he was a good good rider right. but then that the Germans dominated and what
0: was uh, the treatment of them, the Germans, when they were over? Here? Were they treated differently, or were they just kind of ignored?
1: They kept themselves to themselves, yeah. really. They stayed at the Majestic Hotel and uh, garaged at the Majestic, looked after themselves. You really, need right. to be yeah. fair. Yeah, yeah. But during that process of the Clips course, we were right into it. We had TT course. Yeah. Jeff Cannell lived in Nursery Avenue. We, we were living in Avondale Road. I got dragged with him. You know, we, we we just lived the TT. Yeah, yeah. We were TT riders. We were motocrossing round the the grounds of the nursery hotel, and uh, just everything was connected with bikes. Yeah, Jack right. Jack was still about. Right, he'd become an ambulance driver and was a bit of a legend on that as well with his personality.
0: Right, and, and so, take it then. As you're growing up, you obviously let's go back to the golf. You play more and more golf. I assume you just go to work when you leave school. Get a yeah well that's
1: how it came about I mean when I mentioned about like when the Japanese came we were living in Avondale Road and they arrived in 59 and there's some stories which you know obviously have come to light since about us but uh, they arrived they knew they weren't going to be popular so that to get popularity they just brought mountains of stuff over badges flags food and they were friendly. They were governed by a fellow called Bill Hunt, who was an American. He was the manager. And the riders couldn't speak English, but one or two of them could get through. But they just wanted to, to be friendly. Yeah. And mm. the only way you could do that was be through the kids. Right. Later on, uh, we're in Ballicella. I married a girl from Balicella. She had an uncle called Arnold Corlett and he had a coach firm in Port St Mary and the story goes that he was a commissioner and he objected to the flying of the Japanese flag on Chapel Beach right. and somebody said to him, "You stupid old bugger you know thing and all that he never told anybody and I've, I've had the privilege of getting stories from other people who have been involved in Japanese prisoners of war and it would be quite you could see how they weren't yeah. accepted. Mm, yeah, we were sat in school, class three R or two R at Balakamine, and a, a chap, Jim Berry was his name, wore a Honda hat, one of the hats that they'd been, they'd been uh, you know dishing out. I had one, but I didn't bring it to school. The form master came in, looked around the room, said, "Take that hat off, Berry." why sir he said take that hat off mm. Mm. why sir and he just started to steam up he was a red-faced feller, as it was but you could see him mm. when you remember the story you could see him boiling up mm. and yeah. he said i'll ask you one more time barry take that hat off and he made the fatal mistake of saying to the teacher who i'll not name but he said to him why, sir, the war's over. The next thing, he rushed at this Jim Berry, and he was absolutely battering him. Wow. Physically, something that you couldn't get away with. You can't get away with it now, but mm-hmm. in those days, it was unheard of. The teachers would lose the plot. It was revealed later. There was a fellow who, who was a, like the star man of the class that you, you wouldn't mess with, actually pulled him off to stop him doing any and he disappeared for about half an hour then he came back in as though nothing had happened all right and just continued on his way Uh jim betty never made any complaint to him he was shocked but he he didn't make any complaint but then later on we found out he was a japanese prisoner of war arnold collett was a japanese prisoner of war and when we were clearing my mother-in-law's house in Crossock road out when she died seven or eight years ago. We came across a pile of letters which if you read them you would understand why he was against the flying of the Japanese yeah, flag yeah, yeah. at Chapel Beach. Yeah. But for us yeah. they were they were a, a revelation. Yeah. But then it's we so moved awesome. again. <laughs> so 59, uh, we went to Spring Valley. Right. What's by Spring Valley? A golf course. Yeah right. We'd been playing on the pitch and put and things were changing slowly, and we came and we got involved in Douglas Golf Club. Hmm.
0: And obviously, you eventually became
1: Ireland champ. What year was that? Nineteen sixty-eight, which right. seems a long time ago. Right. So, yeah. had
0: you been in the ch- played the championship locally for a few years and just continually getting better?
1: Started in uh, '65 okay. down at Ramsey, uh, qualified, got through for the last sixteen. Uh, got knocked out by Adrian Copley the first round. Understandable. No experience. To, uh, what what age would I be then? 17. Uh, confident enough but he was superior and that was the end of it. Missed out in 66 uh, because if you remember it was the year that the TT and the Grand Prix were together. Okay. Uh, they did they did did two years at and it might be a possibility in 2020 (laughs) but in 66 the seaman strike meant that the Grand Prix and the TT run concurrently all
0: right okay never knew that
1: and the championship was thrown in there as well at Rowney so I missed out on that 67 there's a shot when you play it it goes off at right angles went to Ramsey disaster bloody hitting it sideways no. and couldn't get round. And then 68, it all came together right. at Douglas, and we won. Right. But I was too, how would you describe it? The club were absolutely amazing, you know, with the success of the local boy makes good, a yeah. uh, fella from Pulley. There were still people who resented it because right. they saw that as being the start of uh, somebody... Not of the same class coming through. The commoners. Yeah,
3: was that still the case? Not about
1: now. The, far from it. No, it was about your time then. And oh so yeah, still, yeah, still yeah, still yeah, yeah, That was the. They didn't understand how, like, uh, how it could, how it could happen, mm. how it, how it, how it had been allowed to happen. Right. That common people were now playing and mm. playing at a standard which beat them. Yeah. Right. And I've seen back in those days, that uh, you know the
0: the. When we were chatting to Tom Gandhi, we were talking about how handicapping works, etc. Yeah. A lot of people don't play golf, but the, the principles were the same back then about handicapping oh, yeah. under par. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. he just yeah. said he had to be of a certain handicap to, to enter the championship. Right. And then your handicap varied. You know, yeah. I, I got down in 1968, I think, to two. Right, And I've been scratching about since, and I'm six now. Right, okay. So we're not doing still too Still no, yeah. no, not at all. Yeah, still one of the things Tom talked about when we were
0: chatting to him about obviously he's trying to kind of get to that next stage and the next stage was such a massive part of that game's is or the last part of that game once you've got the techniques and everything other than continuing to work on those techniques is the mind mind is, being able to
1: yeah uh, now it's funny how it works you, you might have seen the championship book we've produced of every qualifier
0: yeah so i've got that here in front of me yeah
1: yeah well that, that's it's every but every every, every person who's qualified for the manx golf championship is in that book yeah. there's people in there who should have qualified 10 or 12 times by their known ability oh right okay but mention the word championship and end, go, yeah. go, you know every shot was a bad one yeah, and every yeah. Good, you know, shanking comes
0: yeah. out isn't it? is it shanking is that
1: the word yeah shanking yeah. is uh, we don't talk about that it's oh, right. uh, yeah it's, uh, <laughs> it's the most devastating shot you can hit you can get away with hitting it left or right, right and yeah. control it but when it comes off that bit between the blade and the hustle all right you just got no control over it and you can you send it away
0: and you won the golf champs a couple of times on the island
1: no, I didn't only it in sixty eight. Right, okay. But then when you s- when the, the format was that uh, hundred odd players would, would attempt for sixteen places to okay. go through to the match play. And I qualified on twenty four occasions. Oh wow I got right. through to two other finals. Right. But I played Julian Sutton and then I oh, should right. have I should have I didn't have a chance against him. He was quality. He could have been a Tom Gandhi. Really? But right. But he became a dentist.
2: Oh right, okay.
1: And probably earned more money. At <laughs> dentistry that he did playing golf but a terrific i was his best man at one of his weddings and uh just a really great fella and we're still friends to this very day i'm glad to say but he, he seen me off big style right in a number of times didn't he I mean, he's eight times eight, champion no. the same uh, number as uh gary wilson right and then seven times champion were the days when it was that way, but then there was a local joiner from just down the road by the airport called Joe Curran. Okay. Who won it seven times along with Willie Kirkpatrick right. or Will Kirkpatrick. So you so, know yeah, I've
0: got in front of me here a folder that Roy's put together of mm. yeah, every championship, every 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 game, result. Every, every result yeah. for every year. It's just obviously a mass amount of work that's gone into pulling that together. The
1: beauty of it now is that that is you know, I mean, computer's not working at the moment, so if anybody's out there that wants to give me a hand, <laughs> feel free. But it's there on hard dri- whatever drive they call it. Uh, it can be passed on. Yeah. It's not that's a... That's not the only record that there is. I can go home and print another one out at, in no time. Yeah, at all. yeah, yeah. No, or in this this brilliant. age of photocopying. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, nothing's quality, ever lost. Nothing's, data nothing's ever lost.
0: Is. Yeah. yeah, no, and that's a... We have many problems with data nowadays, data protection and everything else. But but it's also good that things like this can be preserved forever now, aren't they?
1: When you were talking before there, it was interesting uh, your sport is cycling. Indeed. And uh, again, when I've brought golf down, I've also brought uh, some cycling memorabilia down. And you'd say, well, why were you interested in cycling? I I was never interested in cycling, but I, I had to be really to a certain extent. Because uh, my elder brother, uh, thirteen years older, so yeah. so when he when he was starting, you know, out on his career, I was, you know, I didn't realise what he was doing, but my mother had kept records of all the, the things that he was involved in, yeah. and yeah, there's so. a chap that he was very friendly with called Alec Coward, who's still going to this yeah. day. Yeah. Brother died in uh, '96, unfortunately, but. Uh, yeah. Certainly, certainly
0: no Alec to kind of wave to through the cycle, and I've been riding on and off my bike since I was twelve, and remember being around from then, and still now, still see him out on the pretty sure still. Certainly, in the last few years, I've seen him on the bike out on the bike. But the the book you've got there, we were flicking through just back indoors there, and I'll put some photographs on on our feeds. uh Just some amazing, brilliant, uh, amazing photographs. yeah, Yeah, that need to i want to take a lot of them more just so again you can you can show them around like old tt photographs they're just absolutely
1: amazing tt photographs are unbelievable yeah they come to light now but so I've, i'm not all that interested in uh kind of modern tt photographs right because of the age I am, it's the ones where you can you you knew the riders and yeah, you knew yeah. Those memories. the memories and, yeah. and and it used to be a common a common occupation. Like when you went to Honda, you got bits and pieces and badges the same as when you went to up to the Bay Hotel to the Jolera. Getting a Jolera badge or an MV badge was like like winning the lottery. Mm-hmm, yeah. And, you know, all the other stuff was fairly av- available. Castrol and books and everything like that. But it was still that that sentiment of yeah, going yeah. round and befriending riders. Yeah. Some were quite blunt and told you to bugger off. <laughs> Others became known to you.
2: Right, okay.
1: Yeah. Uh, the, the overall family from when we were at Prospect Terrace, you know, they, they just they were only middle-of-the-pack runners or maybe yeah. even a bit further down yeah, yeah but their enthusiasm through the whole family was such they wanted to be part of the tea tea. Yeah, right. their yeah. father had ridden the sons now rode yeah right so I was
2: uh, uh what
0: was i going to talk I was going, well i just want to go back to the uh the Golf point, so you obviously continue to carry on playing. Did you there's a point where you stopped competition wise and it just became a hobby no, for you? I'm still
1: playing competitions now, all oh, right? Yeah, okay. we're out on Saturday, right? Scratching around, right? Your, your handicap doesn't make you competitive when you're old and low handicap, but there's always that leveler that you can go, yeah, you become yeah. good at a sport, like with all due respects to your ability at cycling you couldn't be mark cavendish yeah he is head and shoulders above or was or you yeah, know he still is still above age. Mate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but if you were handicapped if you had yeah, yeah if you yeah. had half a mile start yeah Maybe you might mild, think yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah you <laughs> might think well i've got a chance of beating him here yeah, yeah. and this is the way it is in golf yeah, always right. has been there's a handicap which is implemented which states your ability to try and give a yeah, level yeah. level playing field I mean Gandhi would still have a job to beat me up 6 <laughs> handicap think like he'd be off about plus 4 if we'd see him off yeah. and in your own, in your own life and
0: working wise what did you do for your career
1: yeah well that's, that's another thing that brings you in where you live and what you did I, I started off at uh, Billy Long's Nursery in Alexander Drive right. just there for 9 years through loyalty and through being genuinely interested in the job and then got involved in golf course greenkeeping when I right. moved to Douglas. Right. Uh, tried Ramsey as a, another outlet, uh, headhunted if you can call it that. And then a bit of plastering as my middle brother was a, an excellent plasterer, right. doing a bit of labouring with him. But mainly I suppose i would be known on the island for being involved with Manx glass and glazing for 25 years. Right. And that was you know where I retired right okay still playing golf uh, didn't do football career was rubbish right Uh, just had no ability on that (laughs) wanted to play but uh, yeah just a total
0: did you do any other outside of the golf and trying football did you I did a
1: bit of motorcycling with uh, solo trials right you know going up over hedges and stuff like that but again yeah we had a bit of success but nothing dramatic did you used to own motorbikes you sat outside yeah of yeah. Trials, well, yeah i always had something i could ride on the road a tiger cub to start with and mm. then a Greaves scottish and then a cotton and then then we went into ones where you had a wheel on it to keep you level all oh, right yeah uh, sidecar trials yeah, yeah. the dirty Kizik, and no,
3: then, never be interested in going for the tt yourself yeah. racing, not, not at all no, no
1: i have a fear of speed <laughs> a problem potentially i have a fear of speed in that you'd be quite capable of knowing what you were doing but the number of incidents that you can recall of a tractor pulled out of mm. a side road and yeah. whether you're in a car or a bike yeah, yeah, yeah. it was, came as a, a, a an absolute shot out of the blue to me when uh, my eldest son peter he he was a, a, a top of the range antico Fita, Fita, fita All right and uh, was ver- earning a vast amount of money. And he suddenly said, he said, I've got an ambition to go greenkeeping. So he started off at King Edward Bay in Uncan. Went there for two to three years. He then won a scholarship to uh, university over in uh, Jack Nicholas country, uh, Ohio University. He went over there. Right. He worked over in America. Came back to England as you do, because he couldn't get the visa, and went to uh, up at, in Scotland, to Loch Lomond, right, and then went to Wentworth. All oh, right, okay. So when you mention golf courses of the world, yeah. you'd always remember or get involved with the West Course at uh, Wentworth, right. where they hold the so championships. Greenkeeping, then. Uh, Not only greenkeeping, he is the main man. He's I was going to say, I yeah. greenkeeping. I mean,
0: yeah. places like that. I guess they have a number of guys working on the
1: oh yeah he's he's in charge of about well and when the tournament's on he's in ch- charge of about 80 odd right greenkeepers but right. he is the head greenkeeper at west wentworth west Right, okay and then all of a sudden he he decided he, he had a road bike because we bought one between us uh, over here didn't do any riding in america and then came back and got involved uh, wanted to do circuit racing at Brands Hatch, Snetterton and all the other courses and then I can remember it well the year was 2013 and we'd gone to Snetterton and it was snowed off and we went back to a pub him and his brother younger brother and we just sat there drinking Guinness and talking rubbish all afternoon <laughs> and he said you know it's an ambition that I want to do the Grand Prix Right. And I said, "I'll not stop you. I'll encourage you. I don't think your mother will be too happy, but we'll encourage you as much as we can, and yeah, we'll yeah. also help you out financially." Right, right. He rode two thousand and sixteen on a on a bike, which uh, had come along through a family connection with the Jacksons. Okay, they'd stayed in our garage for thirty odd years, and was without hesitation said he can borrow that bike, and he finished two races. Right. Two replicas, and right. uh, that was it. And that's all he wanted
0: to achieve. That would be.
1: <clears throat> no, he's he's been back since, right. but now the job won't allow him to do it right. because they moved the tournament from May to September, oh, right. and he's got okay. to be on site of right. every like it's it's sixteen hour days. Yeah, right. But he's yeah he's got a collection of replicas. He's,
0: so did you mention you didn't you didn't commentate the times when? No, I, I backed racing. out.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's it's one of those things we're all fully aware of what is involved in the TT and I've lived through some tragic moments, uh, some emotional moments as well with people that you've got to know. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. I am slightly different in that I'm in a commentary box and between us we can work out within two to three riders when the red flag goes out as to who it is Mm. with the experience of my timekeeper, Pat O'Hanlon, and what we do. We can narrow the field down, yeah. and it's always a severe blow. And you you confirmed later that that it was the case yeah, that, yeah. that it was thing. So I I've got every uh, kind of confidence in his ability to to be preserve himself, and he d- he doesn't take chances. He's not somebody who's going to come and wants to be seen. Yeah, yeah. Quite a few people who even locals sometimes who come to the TT just want to be recognised straight away yeah. without learning the yeah, the yeah. ins and outs of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and it is scary and frightening when you think of the speeds that they're going round at yeah, now. Yeah. He's so, done 113 I think. Right, good lick. He's got his yeah, replicas, yeah. he's been up on stage, he's, you know, he's, yeah, he's yeah. top, I think he's finished 6th in the newcomers the first year right. and then I think the last time he rode, he was ninth in the 650 class right, right. at 107. So yeah, yeah. he's well within, and he doesn't, or I feel as though he's he's not stressing himself. Out yeah, like yeah, things. just slowly kind of yeah, building that yeah, confidence yeah. and that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which well, is the right way to do it. Isn't yeah, it? whatever he might. He, we've got a bike now between us. Well, <laughs> the royal way, <laughs> the uh, which will give him a, an entry into the 250 classic. Oh, right, okay. But again, it's, it's work-dependent. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah, okay. That'll so just,
0: it. I mean, we'll come on to the TT because there's so much to talk about, just maybe to, just to box off golf and your time through there. <clears throat> Obviously, you only talked about your career outside of sport as well, but in regard to golf, I, I, it's just in your views, really. I think back to you playing golf in, I think you said 65, 66, when you won, or 68 when you won the championship. Yeah, yeah. And ha- where the sport is now in regard to just everything from the clubs to... You mentioned. I think we were chatting indoors earlier about. They you know, never used to have tees. Used to just put it on sand yeah. and tee off on sands. Just how much the sports change, tra- tra- I suppose,
1: continues to change. Well, if you've interviewed Tom Gandhi you'd be. I mean, any, uh, yeah. Again, we're in an area here where, like Mark Cavendish, Cavendish could jump on that bike yeah. and ride it yeah. nearly the same as he as as his as his special one. Yeah, yeah. I could borrow Tom Gandy's clubs, he could borrow mine and still play. Yeah, yeah. But it's on the, the other side of things. Development of clubs has been quite exceptional, really. Yeah. The ball is totally different. Right. Uh, when we first started, we were, we were using 1.62. You could use the english size ball. Or okay, that's the, the, s- s- that the size of the ball, 1. yeah, 1.6. 1.62. Right. And then the Americans, because they always want to be bigger, <laughs> uh, went to 1.68.
0: Okay. And that's the circumference, is it? Yeah,
1: but then they the unit, they unit made it universal. Every okay. golf ball now is 1.68 in right. diameter. Right. They've not changed the size of the hole. That's four and a quarter. Right. So they've not messed about with that. Golf courses have improved beyond all recognition. Yeah. And if you wanted an indication, even if you didn't play golf, just look now at a football pitch with George Best dribbling through the mud, yeah. and what they play on now, yeah, yeah, yeah. the the techniques that go into greenkeeping or maintaining grass, it's it's unbelievable. Well, Tom Tom was talking about
0: we were talking about uh, he was talking about playing in different countries and just the the grass and the layout of the grass, the feel of the grass, how yeah. the grass you know I guess what's underneath the grass is it's more sandy, the way the grass is pointing, the how. The humidity, all these factors play into, you know, just one putt on a piece of grass. That you know, I'm no
1: golfer. You
0: just think there's the whole, but there's so yeah. many, so many factors to think about in that.
1: There is that, yeah. and, and uh, where they where they were due to play TP sawgrass this weekend, which meant I wouldn't have been here. <laughs> <laughs> is uh, got what they call sub air. Oh right, okay. Underneath the green, all right, is a sub air system. Okay. Which can extract moisture or put moisture in. Really? Right. And when Peter was, they, they've got it at Wentworth, they have it, got it at Wentworth. And when they were making the big change, they spent 35 million, I think, on it. And he oversaw the, the, the creation of the right. new Luke Wentworth. Right. Not in too many changes, but in certainly with the quality of the grass on the greens and fairways. They put sub in. So it's like underfloor heating. Underfloor heating. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Wow! Didn't knew that. Yeah. But no. to get to know it, they went to TPC Sawgrass. Right. Okay. Tour and players championship at Sawgrass. Yeah. And, right. And had a big conversation with for a week with all the with his boss, you know, big boss. Yeah. yeah. Uh, flown over there by the Chinese. And uh, then this year he got invited back for the again goes every year to the greenkeeping show, uh-huh. and he had actually had the privilege of playing it twice. Oh right, okay. The TPC Sirrus right, thing, right. and they knew who he was obviously from yeah. Wentworth, yeah, yeah. and knew all about the sub air and how how they use it. Right, and it is as you say based on humidity in relation to the way the wind's blowing to crazy. to how much rain has been and, and yeah. everything it's, it's a it's a, an absolute revelation yeah, really right. and you, you when you stand on the line at, uh, at Glen glencrutchery road the conditions may vary a little bit around the course as well yeah. and that's what makes the tt such a challenge really yeah yeah, yeah you don't know what to expect yeah. crosswind on the mountain at a certain gate Take your two foot offline. Like. Yeah, yeah. Certainly, was so, it this year or last year? Was quite a lot of wind around. It was
0: this year. It was or oh no, sorry, it was last year. Now I'm lost in years, but it's a lot of delays last yeah, year, wasn't yeah, A lot of out, delays, wind, yeah, there was wind, a lot of wind yeah. up there. Uh, so th- then, your son played golf as well. Yeah, I've got uh, a, 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 Champ, a
1: junior champion. champion who who went through the same kind of uh, school as Tom. Right, Tom Gandy. Right, but he didn't turn pro. Right, he certainly had the ability to do it and we'd have encouraged them in every respect but he did the amateur circuit and you know led the Irish amateur and various other things oh, and, and Ireland champ a few times twice yeah you know, he's done it twice which he's always quick to remind me <laughs> in fact he got a, a, a ball with his thing name stamped on it Kevin two times <laughs> which uh, gave you as a present I don't know whether it referred to his sex life or his golfing <laughs> did ability you? that place here. <laughs>
0: did he not let you go and play with the ball and you go and shank it straight into a field Well, oh, lost it yeah, son. sorry there's
1: some good stories about that like but uh, yeah <laughs> he, he's quick to remind me but he's settled in now he's he, no ambition now like right played for the island represented the island i think he's got nine or ten medals from island games right, including okay. golds oh, right, okay right. for individual and team right i think okay. he's got three three individual gold medals right shetland uh, definitely a castle town. Right. So he's he's kind of settled in there. It's the old age takes over. Tom, <laughs> yeah, he beat Tom in one of his wins, two thousand, ah, right. okay, two thousand and thirteen at Douglas. Oh, I'll have to get a photo there mm-hmm.
0: from from your book <laughs> and share that out to the yeah uh, yeah. Uh, tie Tom, into annoying. Sorry, Tom. <laughs> so so if we get onto the TT then, because I know there's so many stories we could go through. I think when we well, I was saying when i was chatting yesterday my, sort of my experience with the tt that's not really about me but i was brought up in Onken. signpost corner was the, the the nearest place my dad used to take me up there pretty much every year probably from yeah like like i said we had guys staying in our garage as well like yourself looking probably mid 80s that was probably from 11 12 years old yeah and yeah i did i i, I was saying yesterday on the phone i was massively into the bikes until Sort of later in life when you kind of see the sad aspects of the sport uh, that kind of got me drifting away but I still love chatting and, and hearing stories certainly when you're on the radio as well uh, the old stories are the old so which is why I'm now just going to plow through some decades and just chat and just see what you know what memories you can bring back for people yeah. and, and for me so as mostly these things are selfishly to make me feel good so uh so on, right I suppose 1910 we're going to go decade to decade so 1910 to 1920 appreciate it before your time before you, before you feel too insulted but obviously the, the mountain circuit came about yeah I think it was not in
1: those years did it didn't oh was it not no all oh, right okay. 1907 started at St John's oh right St, yeah, St. John's yeah. Bella Crane Kirk Michael yeah Coast so I Road, Peel. 20 yeah, so was it yeah. 13 20 10
0: 1911 yeah, yeah
1: first mountain course yeah started on Quarterbridge Road by Selborne oh, right, Drive. Okay, all oh, right, I know that. Yeah, that's no. and didn't go uh, the fir- the very first one went all the way to Ramsey. Uh, they had a bit of dispute in a couple of years with the the route up through out of Ramsey, but the first mountain course turned off a of Crumrona, okay, and went down through what would be that not what is now the Williston Estate, down to the top of Johnny Watterson's Lane as you're coming up. And then turned left onto Ballinard Road, along oh, right. Ballinard okay. Road, out by St. Ninian's Church, turned right onto Bray Hill, uh-huh. down Bray Hill to the start and finish oh, at right. Selborne Drive. Oh, right. okay. So that was 1911. Right. But then they had an idea that they would shift the start and finish, still doing it not that it didn't include what we know as the, the signpost nuke and thing area governor's bridge area still doing it that way but they moved the start up to uh, the top of Bray Hill in effect really that was by St Ninian's church as it is now right and then they did that but they had a bit of an incident a rider got killed unfortunately at the finish of the race when they had the start and finish Did there. Did he win the race as well? No, I don't, yeah. I, well, I don't know. I remember I some story about who's, who's, who's a guy
0: who's awarded a win post, whatever the word when you... Posthumously. Yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah, and it was one fella, I remember,
1: I've seen it in a quiz somewhere. There's a possibility it might, Barry would know, he, yeah. he's he's really into the history of it and all that, but that's that's the way it was, so that was the second start. The start as we know it now is when they didn't turn right a crunk pneumonia came down the route as we know it now, Cronknamona, Signpost, Bedstead, The Nuke, yeah, yeah. Governor's Bridge into the dip and out and onto Glencrutchery Road right, right. and that's where they moved the third start finish up to where the area it is now. And was that 13? 19, I don't 19, know yeah. what, that, uh, yeah years you, you would be, you you'd get confused with years but it was in a sequence from 2000, uh 1911. <laughs> From nineteen years 11, ago, yeah. it's mental, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And there's loads of photographs about about showing that. Some absolutely. Weird. Barry Wood and myself do a little thing called Roy Moore and Barry Wood's Mountain Memories. Okay, it's a fixed group. Uh, you know, invitation only type of thing to get in. We've got about two thousand members right, on Facebook. Yeah and all the ones that are involved in it are all posting they're allowed to post pictures on it as well right some of the stuff that's come up is like Bray Hill without houses
2: right okay yeah yeah
1: Yeah, Bray Hill with the houses getting built Bray Hill as I remember it with allotments yeah right you know from that era yeah can you view that Facebook page and not comment, or can
0: you just only get access? No, you
1: just, you just, you've got to be invited to get right, into yeah, it. Right, it's, okay. it's for the simple reason. We've been doing the Manx Radio commentary for years, and they they did a, 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 a TT forum, uh, and yeah. the abuse you got yeah, was yeah. just... Yeah, a joke. Yeah, and it was all at the same time of day. It was always round about half twelve at night. That Roy Martin Ramsey here, he's absolute shite. He doesn't know what he's talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then various other things, which are even more personal. Yeah, yeah. So they they abandoned that. But when we started it off, we didn't want. Yeah, no, we wanted mean, genuine enthusiasm. Yeah, providing value
0: and important yeah, yeah, stories. Yeah. yeah, not some.
1: And it's worked that way. It's uh, it's proven it. itself really to be the way to go. Yeah. And, you How
0: know. do I get an empire
1: out of interest, right? <laughs> uh, well, if my computer was working at the moment, <laughs> I could probably uh, send you an invite. I would like
0: that. I love reading those old, yeah. old, old stories. So obviously World War I then got involved as well. Yeah,
1: World War I got involved and in the, in the bikes and then they came back to pool petrol. You know, okay. pet- petrol which was not off the desired kind of uh, quality. quality to, right. to race. And so that was post-war? right okay that's just the shortage of fuel I assume that it gets it was just rubbish it was pool petrol it was like when you used to go to the pump and get 92 octane or you could have you put a tiger in your tank you couldn't get the tiger in your tank there was just no fuel after the war but everybody was so enthusiastic for something entertaining Mm. and it, it was just flocked with with thousands and thousands of visitors so he talked about Muddy Walker when he did the commentary. There's a picture of Bala Crane where they're actually forming a half circle in the road. Oh, right, okay. On the corner, the spectators see the mountain, absolutely chocker with, yeah, yeah. with spectators up there, all buying their bottles of pop. What well, year would that have be been when Murray around? Muddy, well, it, it, uh, Manx Radio did the commentary first in 65, uh, oh, right. uh, but up to then it was the chaps from the BBC Oh, the, right, okay. His father was was one of the early commentators and also a TT winner. Right. Murray Walker's father. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know it, they they did it the way that they did it, but it, it was difficult for them because up until 1959, when you entered the TT, your name was thrown in a hat for your number.
2: Oh right, okay. Oh really? So you
1: picked a number out, and it right. could be 120. Right could be number one all you right. didn't know all right, okay. Bob McIntyre and who's still in the time trial format in those oh, yeah, days yeah, yeah, yeah but yeah. just imagine oh yeah absolutely a quality rider yeah. having to go through yeah mm-hmm. they were all quality riders but they had to make their mm-hmm. way through the field yeah, yeah, yeah. well you're so, talking
0: now the problems they not problems they have, but catching back markers
2: it, it's yeah. a problem
1: I we, we, we devised a system at uh, Morris Modsley and myself I hate the word backmarker. right well yeah, it's very disrespectful. In cycling yeah, yeah, or yeah. anything like that. Uh in you don't get it, I mean they they drop off the pace, don't they, in, in cycling. Yeah. They just they behind. No, I'm the a marker. No, yeah. I'm a marker. I'll go with that. We devised a term and I made it known down the Southern Hundred commentary because on a four and a half, four and three quarter mile circuit they get so we always refer to them as lower order riders. Yeah, right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. Lower order riders especially,
0: especially when you look at the TT where those lower order riders they're starting 10 minutes behind <sighs> the guys yeah. anyway yeah. let alone you know
1: then you look at the results of the Manx Grand Prix and the TT and in 54th position averaging 110 was total disrespect if you call him a back yeah marker. 100% well yeah. in
0: fairness anyone yeah. who goes around that circuit shouldn't be called a back marker no. to, to no. do what so they do
1: every, every, every time we commentate now it's and he's just going past the lower order, right? Yeah,
0: yeah, no, that's good, I like that. Yeah. So, so, talking then, moving into the 20s and 30s, sort of names that, can I don't know a lot about them, but doing a little bit of research, sort of names that you now associate with the TT, t- t- like Tom Sheard, yeah, 30- Manx t- winner. first Manx winner yeah. on an AJS. Yeah, he sounds like he knew, but <laughs> the name, and you know the name being somewhat Manx, yeah. uh, you know the name.
1: Lovely story, he ran a garage in Victoria Road, Right. i'm living in victoria Avenue. all oh, right okay down in the lower part down by shopwright wine and and thing what used to be a garage just a bit further up where pagets were yeah okay it yeah. was where tom sheard ran a right. garage right okay and his i think his granddaughter is still still about right yeah it was did, a thing did A douglas he win a
0: few races tom or was he uh
1: i think he just won the one tt i don't know here, but it was junior wasn't it i think it was it was on a douglas machine right. and even with my limited knowledge of what he'd achieved i know full well there was a bike displayed in the window off that garage right. victoria garage i think it was called and it was there for years like right. and they said oh tom had won on that right. yeah, wow. it didn't mean a thing yeah. but then as you get into it and and kind of get to know about it you you you'd appreciate that it was a big achievement yeah, for yeah. a manxman, like.
0: So as you get towards the end of the 20s and into the thirties, Stanley Woods appears. And yeah, if, you,
1: if you've read all the stories about Stanley, like how he how so he, he did came it. seventeen. Yeah, that's the thing that struck me when I read. I was like seventeen years old. Was his yeah. first ET came over to watch the year previous. Right, said 16. I could do that. Right, <laughs> and then he was. He he did. Yeah, there's a lovely story about uh, when Jeff Cannell... He he always used to uh, comment about this. And later on, when Stanley had done his 10 wins, I think, was it? Yeah, Yeah. 10 wins. And he would always be asked for, you know, what do you think, Stanley, when he was still with us, if you can call it that. Like, he he was still an old man, but he still had memories. And uh, he was talking about when he first saw Mike Hillwood. And he told a story which it's only an Irishman could uh, decipher, like, and he told it in his Irish accent, you, I've just been looking at that there, uh, Mike Hailwood. He said, I, I've been up to the 33rd. He said, it'll take a good man to hold a candle to him. <laughs> and we tried to find out what the term, it'll take a good man to hold a candle to him, means. Like mm. It basically meant he's going to be a superstar. Right, yeah, and yeah. then of course you lived through all the period of time yeah, yeah, yeah. where Stanley was getting the old velo fired up and doing a parade lap yeah, yeah, yeah. and he rode the guzzy one year right. on a parade lap and then he would be going and seeing all these new superstars like Hailwood, Agostini, Reed, Ivy and living through it yeah, yeah. but being very complimentary to them as well. So moving into then and he raced obviously after, oh,
0: I believe late 20s into the 30s <coughs> Uh, obviously, won a number of CTTs. C- you mentioned earlier about the first sidecar sort of having a having a, a brief a go at the mountain circuit, so in the thirties and obviously up towards the end of the f- or the uh, or the start of the forties, but towards the start of the World War Two, uh, Stanley would still win. Another start I read about that time was the first introduction of travelling marshals around that
1: time into the yeah the D- they T- T- they well marshals in general were and a few and far between right. on the course and then a traveling marshal you know it, it was like a, re- a thing. there was three of them to start with and they didn't have any contact back to base they were just traveling and marshaling yeah, right. and then just checking nobody gone off the edge of the mountain and stuff like that if you ever get into conversation like I mean there's a few uh, well there's a book David Wright from Peel has written a book about travelling marshals right. quite a few years ago right. and it gives it's all the details about who, who they were you know in the early days.
2: Right.
1: I don't think Jack Cannell ever did it uh, I know the Rowells did
2: Right.
1: Uh, Harold and Bertie Rowell were travelling marshals and then when you come into my era there was a fella called uh, Gribben God what was his first name? It's incidental but he was chief travelling marshal right and then they increased and then they got better communications and then they could relay things yeah, back duration. to the yeah. start still primitive yeah. you know just when you think of the timing systems system fellow with a stopwatch yeah. Yeah. looking at a line on the road yeah, yeah, and saying oh yeah. that's it yeah chief duke point thing of a second away from 100 miles an yeah, on hour yeah, yeah. defined by a fella yeah. going like this yeah, 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 yeah. on the thing and a fellow with a pair of binoculars in the in the viewing box saying the numbers. <laughs> and that's where it was difficult to keep track of the race. How could you keep track when Bob Mack won in, at won in 57? They all knew he'd done a 100 mile an hour lap, but they had to wait an awful long time before his position as leader of the race was confirmed. Because right. Charlie Salt... Fifty-seven was the only eight-lap senior, and unfortunately Charlie lost his life at uh, Lee on the last lap. Oh, right. But he rode at number two. Right. But Bob Mack was seventy-eight. All oh, right. Okay. So the so B- BBC still out the hat then? Yeah, drawing chief, them out of the hat. Yeah, stage, the right? hat, yeah. Right. they changed fifty-nine. Right. They seeded them. Right. So therefore, if you're going through all photographs of Stanley Woods, his race numbers, there was one particular year where Jimmy Guthrie had finished and they all, you know, it was a matter of, you know, like just wait till the race is finished just to confirm it. Stanley Woods put in one of the most incredible laps on the last lap. He revved the nuts off it, you know, right. and went beyond the the, the the guzzy, and then he had his own timing station. Oh, right, okay. He had a, a fella on a phone at Park Avenue, would you believe, the house at the very end of Park Avenue, and then as you're travelling down Sulby Street, there's a telephone box there. He had somebody positioned in really? that. So in between him going past and whoever was contenders going past at Park Avenue, they were then geared up to give Stanley a signal at right. Sulby as to what the position was. Right. Wow! And they signalled to Stanley at Sulby that he was 10 seconds down. But Guthrie had gone through and was being acclaimed the winner and he just said right i'm going for it right. if it blows up all oh, well and good yeah, yeah. and he just revved it the backside of it from sulby to this finish and he won by two seconds right right but he was a high riding number whereas jimmy gussie that year was a low yeah. riding number by the now by was the jimmy drive? obviously
0: guffrey and that's Guffy's memorial that people yeah, love, people yeah. know was he also a pilot have I, have I made no that, that
1: was les graham. graham oh les graham I think yeah there is a memorial to Les Gray up on as the mountain well, as well, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, that must be the There's also when you talk, I Don't want to bore people, like, but cracking. <laughs> I won't bore me. I don't care about anyone else. There's also as you as you come down uh, the you know past uh, Bray Hill and head down towards Quarterbridge, When you if you if you ever get a chance to do it, there's, there's the Walter Hanley Memorial Seat. Okay. In tucked in on the left hand side at the bottom of Brown's Hill. So if you're coming up from the quarter bridge to turn right to go up to the westminster garage yeah I know or I go agree. up up a town there's a little yeah. circle there and on the inscription on that seat because walter hanley rode one pre-war War took over he lost his life but he was a pilot all oh, right okay. in the in the war
0: that's Hanley. i presume
1: that's hanley walter hanley Walter hanley's, hanley's corner yeah, hanley's yeah he'd, corner, he'd yeah. fallen off there going back years oh, right, and okay. uh, that's why they called it hanley's corner right. but it's a little inscription walter hanley right. 19 whatever it is whatever it lost is like 40 45 whatever that wherever it be mm, and, yeah. and the lovely little thing underneath it is uh, none passed this way way more bravely oh right okay yeah that's nice and it's right. just a lovely relaxing point yeah, you, you, yeah. it's it's a pity it's there really it should be somewhere where you can yeah you can it's kind of it, it. Yeah, yeah yeah you're likely to get run over going to see it like so i mean, stick my good. head time next time I'm going past on my bike yeah you just, just pull it pull on the bike yeah yeah. it's well maintained and it's the walter hanley memorial yeah, scene i right. never i do I, I do recall seeing that seat but never So yeah. you know hanley's corner came again, again we're just rambling uh you know it's a very brick orientated or yeah. stone orientated yeah. corner bruce anstey's mother is manx Right. andrus relationship and bruce An- oh, her grandfather built oh really was that part wall. of the team built that, that wall. built Handley's right. Corner. that wall's massive isn't it massive yeah, yeah. yeah and it was a winter project for the highway board at oh, the time right. like, okay I don't know where they are now. Pretty, they weren't about. They could have finished the prom off and after <laughs> time, but they built that wall. And the official Highway Board records show Bruce Anstey's uh, wife's granddad as Grand right, granddad okay. as being part of the team right, that wow. did. It. Okay.
0: Yeah. What the what do you know? So looking back, like looking when well, we talked about Stanley Woods before, and back then they're they're lapping at ninety-one mile an hour, which when I look at now, I I don't think I, I mean. I've got my bike license but I still don't think I could do on a perfectly empty road <laughs> perfectly tarmac I don't reckon I could do 91 mile an hour so those boys in those days just had I shouldn't swear about balls of steel yeah. not that they haven't now but even yeah you know, just I
1: don't know them off the top of my head but I know there's a sequence where sort like, of Jimmy Simpson and, and all that they went through the 70 80 90 barrier but the first fella over 90 I think was a fella called Harold Daniel yeah yeah was, and he could hardly see idea, yeah in the
0: late
1: 30s he could hardly see he had had bloody pop bottle glasses Mm right and he had limited vision Right, and he see some of the photographs like going down Bray Hill with the thing miles off the air and him flat on the tank right no streamliner yeah 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 you know just unbelievable really so he won pre-war and post-war didn't he when it yeah yeah Harold did yeah Yeah, he was, he was one of the ones and Guthrie and all that and and again I don't know whether it's still a modern trend Uh, if it's my family it certainly is the case you talk about things that you've experienced yeah you might talk you know like and and give information to to family members or whatever the case may be and do you listen when you're younger do you (laughs) yeah my old man was born in May, and he used to tell stories about knock Alo. was I interested no No. I'd love to sit down with him now But he used to talk about Tommy Span and uh, Tommy De, De La Haye and on Bono Tenny. Most on un- uh, looked at photograph on Bono Tenny right. came over on the Guzzy and they took a photograph of him at Windy Corner and it went worldwide. Oh, right. Because it okay. depicted motorcycling as it's, as, you know, like absolutely tucked in behind an un-streamlined bike. And coming out of windy corner, yeah right, and all the things that go with it, yeah right right. So I used I used to hear about that, and then as I say, when when we were kind of born into the family, as it were, then you you, you covered all your your riders from your Jeff Dukes and your mcintyres and all who came along. I, you know,
0: and you talk about photographs there. It kind of reminds me because, and I think it's maybe it is, I suppose, different eras, but and and obviously T TT fans. That just certain images just seem to evoke so much memories from yeah. that. particular you talk about that photograph and how many, how you, how you feel about that. And I'm I'm similar. Yeah. Maybe I look at photographs from the, you know, the early nineties of the TT, and that's kind of the area where I grew up watching it. And just don't know, they just seem really powerful TT pictures. And I don't know whether that's because we're attached to the sport so much. But if I looked at that, you know, I like football, but if I saw a picture from the early nineties of football, it wouldn't evoke the same. Feelings. No. and I don't know why that's a TT thing or a real enthusiastic
1: thing or I suppose you is like if you if you're kind of breaking it down into if you if when you you think about like who we're involved with on the commentary team you know that they've got a and Barry it's especially I'm very limited on <coughs> kind of uh, 70s right 70s through to probably mid 80s. Know, the, they were
0: half my quiz questions. Yeah, well, that's
1: you know, <laughs> it a pity then. You, know, <laughs> you, know. uh, you were working, and you had to work, yeah, and if yeah. you didn't work, you didn't get paid, and you couldn't take time off, and you couldn't answer a mobile phone because there wasn't one, and you, you couldn't even answer a phone at work because you were you were there to work, and that was the end of it. But it's when you think of the equipment that the photographers had, Bill Salmon was was one of the top island photographers unbelievable stuff he produced Fred uh, then Grey Fred Grey was it no it wasn't Fred Grey the Alf Grey collection of photographs he was our next door neighbour in Park Avenue and he took photographs very early photographs of my brother and stuff like that are all taken by him as a favour to the family because we couldn't afford them you couldn't afford to buy a photograph but there used to be like thousands of photographs produced of that era tt yeah, yeah. and all on display in strand yeah, street right. yeah, yeah. and people would snap them up for a couple of bob or yeah, whatever the yeah, case may be yeah. some lovely stories too that we we've relayed on this little thing and we've talked about on the on the radio in yeah, quiet yeah. moments right so, so in uh, a yeah.
0: moving like the end of the war i believe times again was it Times were slower post initially post war the TT is that again you talked Same about reason, fuel petrol yeah, yeah. Pool petrol
1: right, yeah. Grand Prix was the first one after the war right forty six right okay and then forty seven when as when I was born it was back to TT again you see so you, you were on that year but they did they did did run a Manx Grand Prix right okay and, and was the Manx Grand Prix going on before the TT yeah uh, before the war World War II? yeah twenty well uh, not. It was after the first world war yeah. 23 they ran what right. they call the amateur races right and that was for 23 to 27 right they did four totally amateur races right the commentators weren't even allowed to mention the make of the bike oh really it was right. totally an amateur right. thing and then 27 which means that the manx grand prix a fast approach in a hundred years they went slightly different and uh, they became then the Manx Grand Prix. Right. So that's the amateur races and then the Manx Grand Prix and they did become a, a kind of a stepping stone to the TT Yeah, then. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. you look at the results of the Manx Grand Prix, it's a, it's the legendary right, okay. fellows who have won the Manx Grand Prix who gone have gone on to be, like, yeah, yeah. I mean, even in modern terms now uh, Ian Hutchinson and all that have come through. through that, yeah. Steve Hislop came through. Robert Dunlop, Mike uh, William, William Dunlop didn't do the Grand Prix. Michael Dunlop did, winner. Yeah. And yeah. You've got all those names who then go on to yeah, yeah. to make a living out yeah. of it, really.
0: Yeah. So, well, actually, just mid cake, we're going to go. We're going to hand out some cakes. Actually, because I'm hungry. Do you want a cake, Roy? I, a cake go I
1: have a cake. Type two diabetic. <laughs> oh, crack on. Yeah. If I collapse with exertion, don't worry about it. <laughs>
0: Yeah, blame the podcast. Are you going to go, Matty? Okay. Oh, no. no, 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 no no. Yeah, so if you hear me munching, apologies. So we're going to move on to the 50s and 60s. Yeah, well, we're starting to get into the the time that I remember. Get to world championship status for TT. You know, names that anyone, if you're passing interest in the TT, like you mentioned, you've mentioned some of the names already. Jeff Duke, uh, McIntyre. 100 mile an hour lap that's all going on so there's a lot going on at that that year and like you said earlier you're heavily involved in that because or heavily just because it's on your doorstep it
1: was there yeah yeah it was there to be looked at and uh, you know all the stories as I say we've tried to condense them down so that other people can can source them yeah yeah and they're quite quite entertaining or that uh, you know as it happened as you remember it and again, going back to that statement, if you haven't lived it, you can't talk about it. Yeah. I could probably do a commentary on the on the Grand National by reading up and doing for about two weeks research of all the, the riders and runners that were going to be there for, in front of you for about 10 minutes. Yeah. But Claire Balding... Is such a mine of information about the trainers and who did that and what the name of the dog was and, <laughs> and all that. It makes it the build-up and the the after so so good. Yeah, yeah. So I suppose being old is an advantage. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Wiser as well. Yeah, because again, if you've not lived it, you then can't be totally yeah. guaranteed yeah, that absolutely. that's the way it was. Yeah, absolutely. So and we'll be- Jeff Cannell and myself were always scratching about and nattering and joking and yeah, you know, we're close, close family really. Me two brothers, but by, by that time had gone through national service, which again, if you mention that in 2020? National what? Yeah, right, What happened yeah. with that? Yeah. Oh, they disappeared one day. Where's Ken and Brian gone? Oh, they've gone to do their national service. Yeah. What's that? Oh, they've got to they've got to be soldiers and. Aircraft pilots for two years. Yeah, yeah. It Was all right when they came back from Germany with nice big toys, Shuko toys and all that. Couldn't afford to buy the batteries to bloody make them right. go. <laughs> Factor life. Yeah. So you you've got to live through that to appreciate. Yeah, no, it. absolutely. Now you'd go to the bank and get a loan. Yeah, 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 You know to 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 live, but it was you were on your ass really. To be fair, so the TT and the Grand Prix and the Southern 100 from 55 onwards were just wonderful entertainment where you got so involved, even, well, even in those days, there were people who hated it, who didn't like it, who didn't like the disruption, who didn't like riders getting injured, who didn't like riders paying the ultimate price. But there was always more people who welcomed it with open arms, you know, so, Board house people and all that so so back then
0: I guess feel free to eat your cake I'll ramble on for a moment which is now a great shock the in that era as well the, obviously I assume still a lot of people are coming over for the TT that's a big attraction for the Alaman, or not
1: absolutely
0: yeah, yeah.
1: But, photographs again yeah just streams gaze. Yeah, yeah right and again uh, the ingenuity of the pulley boys they didn't miss a trick like <laughs> day trips all oh, right off the boat you'd either load up yourself up and go up not too far probably correct the be as far as you would get walking before you had to walk back to get back on the boat again right. to go back to liverpool right right a few bottles and, of
0: pop and at the end of that like after the tt ends because i always find that here now when the tts ended the island goes back to what we know it as I always find that a little bit depressing not that it's nice to then go back to quote normal, less busy but I always find it a little bit depressing did you not in those days where it came alive for so long when it ended it was kind of sad
1: you look forward to it for that long you know the build up through the winter like it is now you know rubbish weather and and thing it's going to be totally different this year I think yeah even as we sit here, like it's looking very much like it's not going to be a goer. Yeah. But they just piled in and everybody made money. Right. There was coaches and taxis lined up meeting day trips who were coming in for the day to watch the race. And they would take them round the course in a coach and it would be two bob or two and six right. for a lap. And they would do that and then they'd be taking people up to Craignabar. No. to park up there or a place that we mentioned a great deal and you look at photographs of Ginger Hall no. just on the approach to the left-hander yeah. at Ginger Hall yeah. totally unchanged over the years the railings are still there yeah, yeah. and coaches lined up from the hotel itself all the way back as far as you can go with right, yeah, the driver's yeah. sitting in and they've got 30 or 40 people there at the Ginger Hall at 5 bobago Go <laughs> watching the race yeah, yeah. And seven laps, you know, and, and not the speed that they're going at now. And it was it's a day's entertainment yeah, yeah, yeah. for nothing. Yeah, yeah. I'm just going back to your point there, where even back then that
3: there were still people, not sort of protesting, I guess, that weren't quite happy with what was going on. Purely my lack of knowledge in this area has, has there ever been a time where it's been close to. Ever being stopped, cancelled, or any talks of any serious movement where because of these protesters that it, it may actually stop? Because I know mm-hmm. there's always talk of it kind of reappearing here and uh, you know, in it's current, current time, yeah. you know, I was yeah. wondering, has that always been kind of been a current
1: theme or has it ever come close? Well, Foot and Mouth stopped it in 2001, mm-hmm. but that was very justifiable. Um, mm-hmm. I can't. Yeah, I wouldn't say that there was. There was a few riders' uh, protests. Obviously, they lost the world championship in seventy-six. Yeah, Phil Reed was quite
0: critical, I think, wasn't he? Phil right?
1: Reed was ultra critical. Mm. Agostini, when his his fellow Italian Gilberto Pilati got killed in seventy-five, was it? Yeah, seventy-five on the on a mountain which they should never have been racing on. Yeah, you would be. You would like to think that yeah there would be protests you know about that yeah and it was through the riders reed got a terrible reception when he came back yeah, like yeah, yeah. he came back uh well he, he didn't contest it he, he i think he packed in about uh what year would it be 71 72 and then came back in 77 so there was a five-year gap but when he came back it was a lovely story about uh, he he got the full backing like he got the government to give him a vast amount of money to come back 20 grand allegedly right and he got hondas works hondas and 77 was rubbish weather and he won but prior to that he'd been coming to the island and he brought a rolls royce and a van over for race week and because the the feeling against him was such the police advised him to to park because it had Phil reed racing uh-huh. all over it. To to park it off road, put it in a garage somewhere oh, really? because it was likely to get damaged. Right, okay. But the lovely story that comes out of it is the fact that uh, he was doing laps of the course in his Rolls Royce, and he pulled into Canean's garage in Union Mills, and got out like to get fuel. And uh, Mister Canine in Union Mills was a great exponent of the TT and hated Phil Reed so if Reed said Well fill it up he said you're Phil Reed aren't you he said yes he says well you can piss off <laughs> <laughs> or words to that effect uh, he said you're not getting any petrol here after what you said when you bloody left uh, uh, in 72 he said you have to go further along and oh, get your right. bloody petrol uh, mm.
0: standard ground good, good on him so yeah looking at like the well I suppose still just back in the 50s to 60s the, the clips course was used we obviously talked about that earlier yeah. for for a few years I assume as the equipment got better it that those those races moved back to the
1: well the sidecar especially uh, that went back to the mountain course because you'd come up through you know side valve Douglas's and AGS's and stuff that couldn't get round and then the BMW's and the Norton's and helmet Fath and top men all had the equipment so 59 was the last race on the clips course 1960 onwards they they went to the mountain right oliver should have won that he had the the capabilities of winning it and, but he crashed in practice at guthrie's all oh, right and okay. put himself out of the race right so that was you know that was kind of a game you I was older then you see 1960 you know you he was a big boy yeah heading down to spring valley for 61 onwards, I think, and all that. And then right. changing your the vantage points to the quarter bridge. Yeah, right. Perfect. One, two, fives was still hard work to get round. But then the Japanese developed Suzuki and Yamaha and Honda so that they were reliable and they could get round so yeah, they had right. good races. Right. Bill yeah. Ivey, the first man round at London. Mile an hour and a 125. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Phil Reed, the first man round at 100 on a 250. Yeah. Unheard of. Yeah, yeah. And then the sidecars, uh, George Odell, I think, was the first at 100. Right. You'd never ever have thought in your lifetime you would see sidecars at 100, over yeah. 100 mile an hour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they developed engines, they developed everything, and, and that was it. Increased the capacity as well. And again,
0: those speeds are—you know—think back; they're fifty years ago, mm. and it's just state of the roads back there. I'm sure they're nowhere, obviously nowhere near where they are now. And they're just you know, again—you wouldn't catch me sat on a sidecar doing 100 mile an hour now on smooth roads, quote unquote. When I use the word smooth, compare yeah, you go back 50 years, mm. yeah,
1: just yeah. So you've gone through that, yeah, one, two, so, fives. You when you look inside, I've had a few bikes stripped down in my garage with the jackson family over the years probably four cylinders anything like stripped to bits and you wonder when you see a one two five how the likes of chris palmer and all that can get one round at over a hundred yeah yeah, incredible yeah so so moving on to the
0: 50s and 60s as an era i think a, a lot of people might consider that the kind of golden era with Harewood, agostini you've obviously got strong memories around that time i guess and
1: it was a, a revelation really to be fair when he when he first arrived uh he had the rich boy image and his old man was boss of kings of oxford okay and they, he just threw money at his race and like took him to south africa for the winter and got him the best equipment oh. and then uh, he wanted obviously a win for him and in 1961. Uh, again, I can remember it well. We were all positioned up for that one. Uh, Honda went out, won two five, won that. Went out in the afternoon, won the 2.50. We'd watched them on the Clips course, getting played with but by, by the two works riders, Ubi Ali and Pravini, and they just disappeared at the end. But they made a bit of a race of it, like right. to think that he was in with a chance. Right. He was riding John Surtees' NSU. And the, the MV Augustas were just so much superior, they just opened it up oh, at the end of the way, way they went. So they said, well, this fella's going to be good, like. He was right. 18 at the time. Was he? Right. Yeah. And then came back when he was uh, 61, when he won that, that three in a week. Um, right. Could have been four, only the crank print broke on the, oh, right. the AGS at Milltown. Right. So his first win was followed then straight up by a couple of other wins. Two wins in a day. Right, OK. Yeah. And what the, age was he then he was 20 right Wow. Yeah. because yeah, he came in 58 as an 18 year old i think 19 20, yeah, 20 21 he'd be 21 year old yeah right so but again- he, yeah that, that was just you know you he, he just looked at that and and then the stories about him we've, we've relayed a few stories like yeah, yeah. him and ivy being absolutely i worked at the hawaiian bar Right. and they were regular visitors there like i mean it was uh, if you're a motorcyclist and a famous one it was you know you didn't have to try too hard like yeah. <laughs> with uh, various things that happened yeah, yeah, in, in yeah. places like that you see pictures yeah I, a couple of pictures
0: i see of me and there with his you know leathers half zip down the front with his yeah. uh,
1: hairy chest out and yeah. kind of yeah, a couple of ladies study side of him it's an attraction for some i would yeah. imagine <laughs> yeah i'm not a- I'm but not, they went know, out yes. one night that's uh, related on our website as well and I, I can relate that with all honesty because I, I remember it so well. Uh, Ivy bought a brand new Ferrari, all right. absolutely brand spanking new. Had it delivered to the island, drove it round like for a bit and they came into the Hawaiian bar this night, Hailwood and himself, and uh, there was a nice blonde lady that was the centre of attraction. Come on, Flo. We'll go and do a lap. Like and they laughing and joking. And he came through Greve Castle, and stuffed it absolutely, buried oh, really? it in the sandbags on the left hand side. And we put this on as a story. And then a fella called, I think it was John McBride. Uh, he said, I can, I can uh, enlighten you on that. And he showed us this he picture. Marshal John McBride. John McBride. Yeah. Was yeah. he a travel marshal? He was. Yeah. 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 No, yeah then he had a bad, means... bad accident. Yeah. But he took a picture of a Millcreece Gypsy Land Rover pulling for uh, oh, really? the Ferrari out of What a mess. <laughs> Absolutely a mess. Brand new Ferrari in the wall. And she was screaming in the back, stop, slow down, oh, don't right. go so quick. And they were just messing about like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like lads. So
0: you mentioned earlier in the 60s was the first time Manx Radio got involved with, with, with uh, commentating on the TC. Yeah. First woman... To compete as well in the sixties. Little suppose. Swain. Yeah. Bit, yeah.
1: No well no no no, first woman was uh Clipscourse. Oh right, okay. Yeah, okay. Stoll Right. Yeah, Ingestoll the floor and Jack Yetrion. Right. Sadly both both lost their life in an accident a couple of years further on. But right they competed on the kicks on the clips course and she was a stunner like right. Stoll Bloody hell was she? You
0: no know what now I didn't mention that? I think I've seen that. I think I've seen a yeah. photograph of her somewhere actually.
1: And then they went on the continent, and she uh, she'd, she'd had actually married a a German sidecar driver. Mm. His name doesn't spring to mind straight away, but then she was still passengering for Jack Dreon, and uh, out they went and got killed on the on one of the the World Championship rounds, oh, or Bel- Belgium right. Or, right. or somewhere right. similar. Right.
0: So then, this, I think the big one of that, that era in, is six, the 67 Senior, which is talked about. Yep. What's your memories of that event and that race? Well, so again, hard. it
1: was uh, the, f- the first year the Hawaiian Bar was open. That's
2: your reference point, the bar. Yeah,
1: first production TT. And I went to the bottom of Bray Hill for that 67 Senior. And again, because I've lived it, I was off because it was Senior Race Day. Uh, again, I couldn't get off any of the other race days, how about having the week off for TT, oh no we're too busy, uh, what about going down for a half an hour just to watch the start, oh you can do that but you'll have to make up an hour on Saturday like, oh okay, so that was all, that was the way it was, Right. Yeah. you couldn't argue with it, you, they paid you the money what it was. But uh, yeah, bottom of Bray Hill, watched the production there, went to work at the OIM Bar later and uh, Neil Kelly, Manxman, won 500 production. Uh, John Hartle won the, the the 750 class and then Tommy Robb and Bill Smith were jockeying for the 250 win. And I went from the bottom of Bray Hill and went round then the back roads on the Tiger Cub or whatever bike I had at the time to watch them coming out of the dip at Governors Bridge oh, right. and they were absolutely together. Right. And Bill Smith just put Tommy Robb on the line.
0: Did they start together then? Did they? Yeah they it was a mass compared. start. You had to oh, run
1: across the road oh, jump on right. your bike yeah, and off yeah. down. Yeah. Mass start down Bray Hill. I thought well I'll go back there for the senior sixty seven like I didn't like watching in in fast places or places that an accident could happen. I just right. had a I just wasn't that way designed. Yeah, right. But we watched at Bray Hill, first lap, Hill was all over the place. Agostini's bike steered better. Right. So we watched a couple of laps. Second lap was unbelievable. And, and there's photographs of it as well. Ordinary suspension, you know, two bits on the back, bottoming out at the bottom of Bray. But when I'd got there, uh, I'd met a fella called Ray Ennett, who was a golfer. His... Brother was a good rider, uh, Derek Ennett. Okay. He won the first ever Southern Hundred, but he got a work SCSI ride in in the, Ulster, in the Ulster Grand Prix and lost his life in fifty mm-hmm. six. But he had a pass for to to get anywhere like type of thing. I, I, he worked for the Douglas Corporation, so he said, "I'm not. I'm fed up now." Like, and uh, he said, "Do you want this pass?" Oh, God, it was like heaven. Mm-hmm. So I got perfect position on Bray Hill where nobody else was watched three laps and I knew they were coming in for fuel so with this pass I then went right. parked up behind the grandstand and was absolutely on prime viewing when they came in right, wow. for fuel and it's all documented but you can report on it because that's the way it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Agostini was leading by about 8 seconds, Hale would have broke the lap record he had trouble with his bloody twist grip on the Honda and he asked for a hammer right. to give it a bloody bash and like to get it back on again. Right. So I thought, what, well, that's, you know, interesting to watch that. They pushed away and they went off and they did another lap. I thought, I'll go up to Governor's Bridge and that would be lap five when they were coming through. I'll do what I did on Saturday night and watch the finish. So I went up there, the next thing, Hailwood comes round, lap, no sign of Agostini. But then there was a kind of a grasp, a gasp from the crowd. Manx Radio would probably be on air, but they wouldn't have the information about what had happened to Agostini. Because like, he'd gone past the bungalow, and the next point that Peter Neal was waiting for him would be at the grandstand. No. The next thing, he misses the dip out and just coasts round Uh, Governor's Bridge and I was actually bang on sight there as well and his chain had broken at Windy Corner and he coasted in to finish (laughs) and then there's all kinds of photographs after that and they went out and got drunk on the the night, they were big good friends Oh right, okay, I didn't know that There's a story it reminds me when you talk about
0: Halewood there of a story of, I think he broke down, I had a problem at Sarah's cottage once and had to start his bike and went backwards on the course, which is an immediate disqualification that yeah. never happened. Yeah, I don't know what year was that. Was
1: that was sixty-five? Right. Okay. Yeah. Agostini fell know. off before him. Oh right. Okay. Agostini came to the island in sixty-five as Mike Halewood's teammate, and they were both on MV Augustus. And Halewood showed them the way round, and then Agostini was starting ahead of him. I think on the no, no, he wasn't. Agostini was nine. Halewood was five and then he, he obviously came, who doesn't know those numbers at the top of the head he just came out of, lamp, uh, out of uh, Sarah's cottage yeah. Agostini like and tipped it over and hit this bald piece of bloody tarmac and it just slid down the road like. Right. Yeah, right. but it was bike was too damaged to continue so they parked it up and then Halewood on the second lap came through or the third lap and noticed that he'd fallen off like so he was of waving to wave into him, or whatever the case may be, and bugger me if he didn't fall off the next lap. Oh, really? You all know. right, okay. Now, there's been all kinds of stories related about it, and the, the people that were on site uh, there's a, a, a photographer from Peel whose dad was there, Willie Killia. All right, he was the chief marshal at Sarah's cottage. Ralph Krellen was there, Rob Brew was there, and they knew what happened but they never told anybody. Right. They just said, oh no, he, he bumped it up into that little road further up and then he turned it round and then he went off. Oh, right. okay. But then comes to light in, our, in, the, in this little thing that we're doing, somebody who'd just gone out there to spectate and he took the photographs of him, actually bump-starting it down, down the hill. hill. Yeah. Uh, right. He damaged the screen, flattened the left-hand exhaust on the four-cylinder mv uh-huh. and then went down to win in 65
0: wow. yeah. yeah so moving on to the 70s and 80s uh starting i suppose i start to have my first memories of the tt joey obviously comes on the scene in the mid-70s i think he won the classic did he in 77 77
1: swips classic
0: and mick grant was around at that kind of that yeah. time as well yeah. uh again the lap 110 mile an hour at this stage so this is like mid 70s late 70s just unbelievable speeds again for something correct so yeah. long ago so your first memories of Joey and was he a name synonymous with the TT
1: yeah well Joey yeah, yeah oh god who was he riding for ray ray racing all oh, right yeah uh, jubilee 77 uh, uh, they knew about him like Joey Dunlop yeah um uh, kind of made the name for himself in Ireland yeah racing battle, started yeah. on a tiger cub would you right, believe right a one nine nine cc? And didn't have car. his bike
0: license either, did he? D- no, no, no. <laughs> never.
1: Didn't have a driving license one year when he came over oh, here. Really? <laughs> <laughs> he got stuck drunk oh, really? drunken driving. Oh, right. right. He was all right. He was. He was. He was only about two hundred over the limit or something. Two hundred Wasn't serious. But uh, no, Joey came and uh, yeah, just one of those legends. And we talked like mid 70s, we lost the world
0: status for the TT again. And when Matt was talking earlier about effects on the TT itself, that obviously at the time I assumed that was a massive impact for the oh, TT to lose that. Unbelievable. And was the thoughts then how long can this carry on without losing with this world status?
1: Again, in research, uh, things you forget about uh, programs and different things, they weren't as elaborate as they are now, but they had lovely little stories in. Mm about it and right. and and magazines and Mick Grant much reported you know this will be the, the the last year of the TT oh, okay. and stuff for someone who doesn't know um,
3: why did it lose its world status
1: uh, because of the incident to Gilberto Pilotti Agostini said he would never come back so they had the back of MV Augusta and then everything is controlled by the FIM not the ACU. The ACU run the event, but the FIM make the decisions about it. Right. There's an awful lot of hassle now about uh, the the Northwest 200, the TT. Mm. If you're Spanish, the Spanish will not give you a license to ride in the TT. Oh really? Anybody who's Spanish has got to go to Gibraltar to get a, a license to compete. Right. Okay. And that's all to do with the Santiago Herrero incident. And, where he and, was Spanish rider right. riding in the TT. He lost his life at the 13th. And from then on, sp- Spanish riders are, are banned from... Uh, oh, South really? Canada. I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, right. so they've got to get a, another licence right. from somewhere that will grant them. So their federation their, just doesn't recognise... Doesn't the... recognise road racing. Oh, right. And okay. that's how it's going. So not only is the, the Ulster Grand Prix in... in jeopardy like type of thing this year genuinely in jeopardy for not lack of finance right but the fim now are stepping up their kind of uh, power mm-hmm. right it's like fifa isn't it, with the football right, yeah. you know they govern the whole lot yeah, yeah. so they make the decisions and road racing doesn't come into the equation
0: just look at it too risky, and not, yeah, but that's uh, what
1: happened in '76. Yeah. They they had the ability to take away the world championship status, and because of the incident, uh, the, the race should never been run. It was Misty on the mountain, he shouldn't have been out. Mm. But he lost his life, and then they took away the, the, the championship status from them.
0: So, so 80s, 90s into the, or you know, Joey Joe, starts to dominate, doesn't he? 150 yeah, miles, we all we
1: that ride, anything. And we, yeah.
0: we, we, we were chatting earlier I remember people as back certainly back in those days I suppose it still goes on now as riders use you know residents as garage to store their bikes fix the bikes and I remember I lived up in Birch Hill and in Honkham we had riders staying with us and I remember I was saying earlier that the guy that had stayed with us a couple of years was, was you know half decent new to the TT but half decent but I know he was friends with I'm going to say Stephen Henshaw. Is that the right name? It is. Yeah, Steve Henshaw. Yeah, yeah and Phil Mellor. Yeah. And it was around that time that the production racing and those. When we were talking earlier about, I suppose the TT being not banned, but calls for it. I I I have memories of that era being very difficult because they were, they were fast bikes. I think this is only my kind of. I mean, I was probably 13, 12 at the time. This perception they were super dangerous, and not really. Controllable for the one of a better term because a number of these deaths happened, and obviously, Phil Mallow was a a works rider at then, Durex, I think. Durex Suzuki, yeah. Yeah. Same day, same race,
1: yeah. Same, we were on duty for that particular one, right? We'd been, we didn't normally do the TT. Uh, Again, it was a a kind of a when money was freely available. They used to get uh, a fella called Fred Clark, yeah over t- I, I'd do the Grand Prix because it was an amateur race amateur commentator. so just to point, in then when did you start doing that I did the first Manx Grand Prix in 83 uh, right from right. Balacrane ok and then we did the TT in 84 would you believe right Fred Clark demanded too much money and Manx Radio said they're not paying it right so he said oh well I'll, you know who are you going to get he said we've got Roy Moore we'll give him oh god you know and then, <laughs> then he relented the following year because he was a bit of a, a sharp, sharp item for Edling. <laughs> he'd stop in the Imperial hotel and then he mentioned their name every five minutes. Oh, so, right. okay. <laughs> and then Simon Beck was riding and he had a uh, contract with Peachhurst Bath- Bathroom Company and he'd be mentioned, Simon Beck and Peachhurst and my good friend. There, think he's so. got bathroom. <laughs> but when you mention those two names, He was absolutely distraught that day. We were on duty at the bungalow and didn't know anything about it. Mez Miller lost his life at Dorans Mm -hmm. and then further down the road, uh, Steve Henshaw at Quarry Benz. And he was stopping the Imperial and he was on the steps. I can picture him as clear as a whistle. That's me finished with the TT now. But prior to that, Fred in his his kind of... uh, you know, flamboyant nature, and he's still at it. If you go to a meeting now of British superbikes, he just fires up at the start of the day. I mean, I can talk, but I feel as though I don't repeat myself, or I hope I don't. <laughs> Somebody will tell me probably that you do. <laughs> but he just fires up and then just talks all this stuff day yeah, yeah, after yeah. day like. But he thought it was clever to put nicknames on riders. Now, there's two things we've mentioned here now. You'll never hear that from me. If you're William Dunlop, you're not micro Dunlop or anything other than William Dunlop or Michael Dunlop or John McGuinness. There's no hizzy. There's no hizzy. There's no thing. Now, listen to others and you can't say the same thing because it's personal. But Fred Clark had a nickname for everybody. Ian Lucky Locker, Steve Moneybags Henshaw. <laughs> and when Mez Meller went to Jurek Suzuki, he called him Johnny Mellor, <laughs> thinking he was being clever funny, yeah, yeah. when he lost his life. Mm. It wasn't funny anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's why we'll never say backmarker. Yeah, and yeah. We'll never, you can go through all my commentaries, yeah. we'll never lower ourselves to, to call a nickname you yeah, no,
0: just showing the respect they deserve
1: the respect to the rider who was christened that Yeah. but when he's going on about all these people people might be listening in Australia mm. and don't know who Johnny Meller is yeah, yeah. he said well there's a, there's a, a Mes Meller in the programme but that's not his real name yeah. or, anyway like as well same with any sport, you've got to give respect to the people that you're yeah. yeah. Um, what
0: just going back then? What did I what did I call? What, you say Mez What yeah. I'm trying to think. What did I just call him? Mez Miller. Did I say Mez Yeah. It's
1: not Mez.
2: Yeah.
1: Okay. All right. He was known yeah. as that. Right. Uh, but he certainly was known as Johnny Miller. But he see, I called.
0: I think I called him Johnny Miller, You know, no, you didn't. I, did no, I he not? Called him Mez. All right. Yeah. Okay.
2: All right. Okay.
1: But Fred being Yeah, Fred no. If just you could just
0: ask me that question off the top immediately, I'd have called him Johnny. Yeah. That must have picked that up from... Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. that's
2: it. Because
1: yeah. James Whitten was his teammate, wasn't he? Whitten was on the Durex Suzuki's obviously, as Obviously, well. yeah, yeah,
0: well-known now does commentary on yeah, Eurosport. He was off
1: Benz as well. And yeah, Steve Hislop. Yeah, yeah. Well, I always remember the
0: story about Steve Hislop because that was really my era, him and Foggy. And Izzy crashing there and being told... In fact, I remember chatting to Izzy because he was a friend of a friend of mine. Uh, one, I think it was New Year's Eve on the Millennium, talking about that crash, and he said he was just going down the road, just waiting to Tumblr, hit the curb. Yeah. Uh, Tumbling, just uh,
1: waiting. Yeah. So yeah. Well, things changed a little bit later on. Like when, well, they 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 changed a couple of times, didn't they? Fred Clark either. A eh, didn't want to do it or demanded too much money. Because when they came, when they initially started with. uh the TT with when I got involved, you know, which I don't know what year that would be. We fell out with Manx Radio over an incident and I couldn't forgive them for what they did to me. But at the same time I did come back, but it was only for, well, I came back for the Southern Hundred. Right. They tried all kinds of people like because there was a situation which arose whereby for the Manx Grand Prix, uh, Ian Cannell, who was a commentator for the bungalow for the TT, was president of the Manx Motorcycle Club, right. so he couldn't commentate. Right. So they tried all these different people. Adrian Earnshaw, George Ferguson, right. Tom Kind, who was the curator of the, the wildlife park, right. Alan Jollybody Jackson, uh, Adrian Earnshaw was the best leg. Like. Right. If you if were sat in a room with him, I couldn't compete with him on his knowledge. But then when he got a microphone in front of him, he thought he'd been put there to tell the world what he knew. And the boys were going past. And Peter Neal had to say to him, any chance of getting his first, second and third leg Oh, Oh, yeah. And he was that bad. He was rubbish. And he said, I can't be that bad again. Give me another chance. And he did another year and he was worse. All
0: right. You must love it, though, to do that being a fan of the TT or the biking of the TT and the Max Grand Prix and then to do that commentary must be a bit of a dream job in some ways you've
1: got to have a confidence to do it but you can't afford to be um, I don't know I'm very confident of my own ability if I'm coming down to the 18th whereas before in the 80s and all that golf wise I'd be saying if I get another couple under before I finish that will see them off yeah now i'm a bloody wreck absolutely bloody useless Con- concentrate nervous wishing it was all over Aye. go down to ramsey just sit there as though because you, you're confident in your yeah, own yeah, ability, ability. Yeah, and yeah. you've got a backup. yeah anything that happens is is written down and it's not being clever and it's not people saying once some said oh i'm disappointed i didn't know you had a book with all this information in I thought it was from the top of your head. I said, hang about a bit. Yeah. yeah. Between the last te- oh, well even between uh, the last Grand Prix or when we were last on air, there's been some notable people died. Yeah. Percy Tate, thing and all that. Big spread in the paper with Watty when it happens. Yeah. But then you forget. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You easily forget. Pfft, too right. But if you write it down, you don't forget. Yeah, yeah. And then you pay respect to them at yeah. a at a quiet moment. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've never seen Percy Tate going round Ramsey on the Triumph again. And all and the number of comments you get where people say, that was lovely, you know, that you mentioned mm. that. But I'm certain that the others don't. I'm certain Tim Glover and, and Chris Kinley maybe They'll they'll do it at the time, but I don't think they write it down to to, yeah. to use it the later on.
2: Yeah.
1: So it's not being clever; it's just being that. But you're still confident that no matter what happens, you could. Well, how long have we been scratching here, like for? Yeah. Whatever time it is, it's yeah, just yeah.
0: talk and TT. Yeah, t- yeah. Well, but you. Well, I, I'm sure commentating there's one thing you know you've got to keep an eye out for the numbers you number or or, or just the, the screen really right the yeah. visual side of it yeah. here's he coming but then you're getting having to give splits within a short certainly now within a short space of that they're up on the mountain and you're trying to give splits there yeah. while pushing right you know making reference making to everybody every, yeah. yeah every reference right? So there's a lot going on so there's data getting flowing at you all the time with with this going on yeah. uh, it can't be easy, so I'm not surprised you've got some notes to help you along. When I'm I've, sat here with notes. When, so we, were, way, when we were
1: in, uh, in the garage in the Jackson family with Bob Jackson, who should have won a TTs, he's, he's been a winner. He's so he, of, a, he did the three-lap three lap tank in yeah, the senior. Yeah, the yeah. senior should have seen the work Saunders of, yeah. and his brother couldn't get the tap back on. Yeah, yeah. But when his father, who I now when you go back backtrack on yourself, We were in the garage one night, and I got on great with him. And I knew what he did to engines. He wouldn't tell anybody else, because he could make them quicker. Standard engines, he knew what he was doing, and he made them quicker. But one night, he lost the plot, and he was ranting and raving, bloody (laughs) like, it was terrible. (laughs) Bloody Japanese, I hate the Japanese. What's up, Bill? Bloody calm down with you, just thing and all that. And uh, he told us the story. He was a prisoner of war. Oh, right, okay. And he right. was a mechanic, a top mechanic. And the commandant of the Japanese prisoner of war found out that they could fix cars and his car had broken down. So they fixed it and then disappeared and it. All right, <laughs> and well, got out. To it. And, but they got captured and they were back. Right. And he told us things that he hadn't told anybody else right. in a quiet moment in the garage. I told the family later on and... Uh, they couldn't believe that he would, you know, he yeah. never told them yeah, anything. Yeah, yeah. But when I said to him in the garage, I said, I've just been offered the commentary position from uh, Ballacraine, and he was a Geordie. I can't do Geordie accents. <laughs> Chock a block man. <laughs> <laughs> Chuck a block man, aye. Yeah. There you, go, you, can. There you go. Yeah, well, it's sort of. Yeah. I said, you'll be all right, like, he said, uh, he said, tell me one thing, though, you promise me. I said, what's that, Bill? He said, I'm down in the pits. He said, You hear some of these fellas? And he mentioned names. names like, he said, They're there and they're bloody yapping away, and there's bikes going past in the background. And I'm thinking, Is that War Bob? Is that War Bud? Yeah, Is that yeah, War Tom? Yeah, yeah. He said, If you get the commentary, and it's another thing I always do, he said, Even if it's only the number, everybody that goes through, mm. Just mention it with you. He yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. said, Don't go off on a woman's story that nobody's interested in. He said, There's people, it's life or death to them. Yeah. Whether they've gone through if you tell me number two has gone through, and I know that's why Bob, he said, I can relax then. Yeah. Cause it was not the up to date information, it was still on mm. the clocks.
0: Yeah. No, I, I I and that's something I notice being, you know, sat on ahead somewhere and you hear the bike up through the radio, and you, you'll hear two bikes, yeah. and you've seen them maybe five minutes earlier on the course, so you know automatically, even maybe before you've said the name. But if you don't say the name. You're like,
1: did the second rider go through there? Yeah. And Who was it? Yeah, was it? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, what happens in this modern day and ages that you can track mm. on one of them yeah. where everybody is? But the thinking of the manx government. And the the motorsport development team and all that is, you don't need commentary, right? Because if everybody's got a phone, they can follow mm. everybody through the sequence. But that to me that's like watching football with the sound yeah. off.
0: Yeah, it it's just a, it's a yeah. different experience. Yeah, which you might do if you're doing something or, or you're with people or whatever. But to me, it's you oh, I can't great. ever believe that commentary is not a massive part of that.
1: Yeah. Absolutely genuine story, classic. Comment We met last year, yeah, before the TT, where the government would run it. Yeah. So previously, when we'd gone to the commentary positions, we didn't have any notes from anybody. You went there, you did your job. If we did it all right, you'd be asked back for the following year. Like when they got involved, we had all this stuff coming through on my computer when it worked. <laughs> uh, it, remember always say the mountain course it's not the oh, circuit really? right. do this don't mention that don't ever do uh, mechanical do not speculate on any mechanical yeah, yeah. so somebody goes away from the hairpin and they miss a gear and then they miss another one yeah, yeah, yeah. and John Surtees has got gearbox problems here at Ramsey yeah, yeah. none of that right. and thing and all that so then we had a meeting at Manx Radio and then the department who were running it said they'd listened to the big Harrison-Hickman battle where it was three seconds at Ramsey-Hairpin and 0.8 of a second, a change in the lead to Hickman leading at the bungalow. And they said there's room for improvement in the commentary. Like, really? It was like a kick in the yeah, yeah, thing because yeah, I thought right. that was one of the better ones that we'd done. When Charlie Lambert was on the... the main commentator he didn't have any history of background of or anything like that
2: mm-hmm.
1: but he always said uh, ramsey just does ramsey we do the bungalow and i said well what's the point in that like because i'll be still on air mm-hmm. oh no no they'll go through the bungalow they'll be down and then when they get to Craig hand over to me and we'll do the bungalow timing so I went along with it for a couple of years, and then it just blew me top like a it. I said, "This is crazy. Uh, we're we we're, we're lagging behind, yeah, you yeah. know, in in what keeping it up to date." Yeah. And they relented, but then the following year, again when Charlie Lambert came to the island with his wife for practice week and race week, uh, and stayed at the Sefton Hotel at one hundred and twenty pound a night, they just couldn't afford him. Right. So when Tim Glover got back in as the lead commentator from the grandstand, yeah. it was taken as read that we do the bungalow. Right, yeah, yeah. And it keeps the commentary, yeah. even though you've got a handheld device, which is telling you that the lead has changed in yeah, the bungalow yeah. by 0.8 of a second, you haven't got somebody screaming and shouting and getting all excited, which then generates excitement yeah, yeah, yeah. from the bungalow onwards all the way to the finish uh, most
0: appreciate that the, the race has run over a long course so you don't see a lot of it but all my memories of the TT uh, and the excitement around that and I remember a friend of mine I went to school with a lad uh, Paul Hartman and his his old man was a sidecar Colin. yeah Colin yeah. And won with Molly didn't he he had his first win with Molly yeah, yeah. and 89 uh, I remember listening to that commentary and obviously there was a certain uh, you know attention to it being a being a friend's father yeah. and uh, the excitement of the commentary was what it was about appreciating if it was
1: on an app but oh, it's far better yeah you know f- the story behind that though uh go on yeah well, they got yeah. the timing wrong originally didn't they because they announced someone else as the winner kenny hells yeah right yeah they they crossed the line jeff kennel was in pit lane getting ready to interview the winners They'd made a timing error at the start of the race. They no. were five seconds out. Oh, right. I didn't know the reason. The, bat- the battle was on between Howells and Molyneux. And by all intents and purposes, when he crossed the line, uh, it was Howells's race. And he went in and was getting interviewed by Jeff. And then uh, Dave Molyneux and Colin Hardman pulled in. And through his headphones, they said they've rectified the timing thing tell Kenny Owls he hasn't won but tell Dave Molyneux he has and that was how it was related another part of like TT history yeah yeah Mm -hmm.
0: I do remember that being that and again going back to the point of the commentary is just such an important I can't ever believe that even a consideration that that wouldn't happen it's modern thinking though you
1: know like people say well why don't you do this why don't you do emails and, and things there's an awful lot of people who still aren't yeah yeah and still, people who want to sit there eating a sandwich and not worry about what they're looking at. Uh, well, just, I do both? See the bikes. I would like past. to think of
0: more from the uh, you know the internet era, I guess, right on the edge of it. But uh, I like you know I've been to the races the last few years, and it'll be the radio and the and it'll be the radio stream through the phone and and watching it as well on 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 the thing. But the main thing is the radio. I yeah. I've been to watch the race, and if, if I turned up to my often I like to a place where it's quiet, as in not people, as in people quiet. And uh, that radio was like the, just well, part the of this. Line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. just sat, sat on the edge listening to the stories like this as well, before the race, talking about history or talking about the upper race. So, you know, that's, that's you were talking earlier about the excitement of building up to the race. That's as much of the
1: enjoyment as the race itself. Fair comment, yeah. yeah. And when you think about what all used to happen, and I relate going round the bins and you get blank looks, like, you know, and then there's a simple reason for it, isn't there? Uh, met the accountant for the Rob Vine Fund, or the Hoggies do, and she lived in Finch Road, and she could never understand when I mentioned about bikes going past her house, when they used to get the Grand Prix, they used to put them in a garage at Farragars and Ashton's, or Milkrease as it was, in Westmoreland Road, and then they used to run them across along the down uh, Hill Street. Cross Hill Street down Finch Road onto the promenade up Summer Hill to the Grandstand one very simple reason that was done they were all running on castor based oil and the oil had to be hot before they could race and that was a good way of right. ensuring that it doesn't happen now you've got radiators and fans and uh-huh. you can warm a bike up standing still but if you if you tried to warm a, an air-cooled 7r or g50 or a manx norton up the thing would overheat yeah right but if you had it going through air and the oil was getting hot it served both purposes right but in tt we, they weighed them in in a tent and then they dragged them out the morning of the race and they put aluminium dust bins all the way from the start and finish back down to governor's bridge all oh, right and okay. they rode one side or the other side of the bins all oh, right okay down to governor's bridge and back Sidecars, MV envy augustus guzzies no oh. matter what it was right. that's okay. how they did it so map. when you say round the bins and then you explain it to somebody yeah, 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 it's yeah. simple yeah but yeah, they don't yeah. know what it what it is in the initial play uh, thing like when you when you're talking about it so so moving on to that maybe it's going back to the to the
0: decades and, I say one of the my era really the 90s to 2000s. Sort of early in the 90s, Hizzy and Foggy's a big thing that you know TT fans and 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 the racing and the the race where Foggy broke that record on the last lap while the bike was falling apart, and uh, Hizzy, Hizzy winning the race. Uh, I remember my dad telling me a story of he used to go to Cullen and watch it Cullen one I guess as it's known, and they'd be sat on the hedge, feet on the curb. And the guys would be landing two feet away from them at 120 mile an hour or something bonkers. Obviously, life's changed a little bit now with safety, rightly so. But yeah, just the, the drama of that era and that race and obviously two unbelievable riders as well. Many, many around that stage, but especially
1: those two. Yeah. A few before that, John Williams, Pat yeah. Hennon, yeah, Grant yeah. was in there, Dunlop was always about yeah. from that era onwards. like, And they were, they were quick as well. Was Grant as well? You say Grant? Yeah, Grant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pat Henon was the first man to lap it under twenty minutes. Right. Okay. Yeah, there's a, a lovely quiz question if you if you threw it at somebody about who was the the first to lap it under twenty minutes in the TT and who was the first to lap it under twenty minutes in the Grand Prix? Right. Okay. There's a big gap between I, the years. I'd only say the
0: Grand Prix. Don't need real name that jumps out that made. I never watched that much of the Grand Prix to be honest mainly it was probably never off work but I remember Hogg being and was it Hogg yeah yeah, yeah, Hogg. yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. 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 Pat Hennen was the first man to do under Grant put a faster lap in later in the race but Hennen fell off at uh, Bishop's Court right it was badly badly injured I was going to say it's not, not a good place to have a he set the first sub 20 lap and then Grant got the lap record later but it was kind of Due to the demise of Pat Henry. Right, right. But Phil Hogg there's a good story about that too. Like he just took everybody sup- by surprise and
0: Well you jump into commentary points and he'd gone through hadn't he? He'd gone through, yeah. yeah. And we
1: didn't have talk back, so you couldn't tell Peter Neal right, hey, hang on a bit, uh, there's a bike round the veranda, hand over to us now. Yeah, right. Couldn't do that. Yeah. And he went through and then he was up and gone and then yeah. Another he had a spill load down, load down and Moan that was one of yeah, his Crum big and Moan, spills. He went yeah. over the second second lap. Yeah, he did the under twenty minutes and then was on the second lap. But uh, Big H Paul Hunt won that one. Oh really? 88 right. senior. Right. And uh, he must have been wondering what had happened to him. Like he was getting, he said he was getting aboard second minus whatever it was, like bloody 10, 14 seconds, yeah. he said, well, he must be bloody wrong. It can't can't be that yeah, difference. Yeah. And then he realised it was Phil because Phil started at 2 and Paul was 8. Right. So he was always going to be behind him, but then he realised it must have been him and then he just disappeared and he got a board with 1 plus 20 on it right. or something yeah, like that right, yeah, yeah. from the second fellow. Right so it was uh yeah those those are parts and parcels of uh,
0: little yeah. snippets as well yeah. and more recently I touched on earlier so moving into like the 2000s you know obviously tt got cancelled in uh and i suppose again look looking at what's going on with the virus going around at the moment but foot and mouth was back then was a problem and it was called off what time of year, time of year was that called i mean looking at timescales now we're in we're recording this mid-march when a decision, every decision needs to be made. But foot and mouth, how, bef- how long before the event was that called? I think it was called
1: pretty long time before yeah. it of, they did People I did come that, over though. and uh, allegedly on uh, Facebook, people are saying, well, I'm still coming over. Yeah. But foot and mouth was more more serious than, than somebody sneezing in a pub somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah and you know i mean you can fully appreciate that surrounded by grass virtually mm. 37 and three quarters of foot and mouth have got to the island yeah. it was the right decision yeah yeah yeah. allegedly at 73 years of age i've been told today i might have to self-isolate for four months <laughs> <laughs> which just record a lot g- of these <laughs> which is going to be a disaster <laughs> we'll slip yeah. pizza under the door for you it'll be fine oh, i'd be all right you yes, just read some tt stats them, so. but yeah, uh yeah, I, yeah Another, well, John Williams was a good land for that, but you had to be thinking that when David Jeffries arrived on the scene, he, he revolutionised yeah. the job. Like, so, so Adrian Archibald, uh, you know, like Tass Suzuki and all that, they, with Ian Locker, they dominated for a while. Richard Quayle did yeah. that memorable kind of Grand Prix win, yeah, and yeah. his 400 win and losing the plot at the... Finish and swearing like a trooper on the, on the live on the radio you can't say that yeah
0: i i, I funny enough to be we chatting briefly yesterday on david jeffries and that's one of the things that i wouldn't say put me off the teeth but when he was tragically killed just it'll it, it oh, i don't know what the right word is but just left such a bad taste if that's the right term not that i was angry but I kind of moved away i guess a hero really i remember you still you could hear him coming whether he, and I don't know anything about bikes. Whether his gearing was a bit higher, or but just you were talking earlier about the bikes being raw and aggressive. I think you're talking about when, the, when you first saw those uh, those bikes in yeah, the 60s. Jullieras. Yeah, Gilieras. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and that's when you talk about that. That's what I was thinking of when I used to hear David Jeffries, though, with his teammate would be on the same bike. He just seemed just seemed louder and more raw, and I get I don't know whether it was a gearing thing, but you knew he was coming before. You just knew it was him. You could just hear from the way he rode the bike.
1: And he was that type of person off it as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, the, the true Yorkshire grit and lager drinking and, yeah, and yeah, stuff yeah. like that. And, yeah. uh, I suppose he kind of associated with an awful lot of people. Yeah. Maybe maybe when, you, when you're talking, yeah, maybe Halwood was shy. Agostini certainly wasn't shy. Then he came up. <laughs> probably the shyest person you could ever wish to meet would be Joey Dunlop. Yeah, yeah. And he, he he didn't tolerate anybody, really. he just went his own way and he he did what he had to do. Yeah. And yeah, then you came up from that kind of icon, and then you had Hislop in between as well. Uh, you know, a Scotchman who was ultra quick and foggy, yeah. and then you were just going through, and and, and then along came David Jeffries, and, would have dominated for years, yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, just the back way. Look yeah. the footage now of him on there, and then others come through. Yeah. You see any? Well, McGinnis is kind McGuinness of here in the stars, and stars, doesn't it? Ian Hutchinson and yeah. through the Grand Prix. You know, I mean, it's always a, a bone of contention with me about all the publicity that uh, the the TT and the classic TT gets, and the Bank's Grand Prix. Uh, are going heading for a hundred years and they've bred all these people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that yeah. magic race with Robert Dunlop and locker and Steve Hislop first, second and third. You know, that'll be it.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, uh, well, more modern then, I suppose. Well, I suppose maybe just to go back to McGuinness then, your the memories of him early on, the you know, seeing him. Because again, I sometimes when I go watch the TT now, I don't see too much of it, but you might see newcomers and you can just tell... That they have. I mean, they've all got pedigree. Don't get me wrong, but you can just tell from the styles and the way they ride that they've got. You know, I wouldn't say that's, stand out from the crowd because I don't want to disrespect anyone else that's doing it. But you can. Did you see that when you first saw McGuinness racing?
1: Not really, no, because he 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 was learning his trade, and uh, he didn't have much at the start. Really, it's only when he got involved with the works hondas really to be fair that he you think we had the, the vimto, vimto kind of? yeah, yeah the vimto honda i think that gave him his first win and then he had a 600 win and started winning the senior tts because he had the like the Fireblade, yeah. and then the developed Fireblade was just tass and the suzuki put up a good fight with him and then now it's bmws that are up there amongst yeah. it. so it's all developed in, with riders and 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 bikes yeah. as, as well to go through. Yeah, me, McGo- I, he's he was he's a good lad, because like, he's uh, he appreciates what you do. Yeah, he paid me the great privilege of coming over for the Grand Prix to do a lap on the new bike, the the latest Fireblade, and they just said, "I'll just do a demonstration lap," and we were off air at uh, Ramsey Airpin because no racing going on but he was just doing this lap and he wasn't hanging about and he came up and the next thing he's changing down and then he gets and he parks it alongside the commentary box gets the hat off and comes in how are you doing and I said I've I've always wondered what it's like from here what you see (laughs) so will you tell me what you're thinking and then we had I I got through to the grandstand and said hey John McGuinness has stopped here and she said oh I'll put you up live like right. so you can go out on the, on the radio so that's what we did and we had a little netter with him right. and he'll always acknowledge you Yeah, right. you know he'll always give you a, a nod yeah, yeah, one advantage I have had uh, as we come to an end of uh, about it all yeah. I suppose it would be that in the early days when you were just doing the Grand Prix uh, I learnt more from just being somebody that they didn't know I was only a voice I have to say that I'm a little bit more known now and probably wouldn't get away with it. But when we did get involved kind of full time from, two, well, we did 2007, which was a wonderful thing to do like, but TT commentary, they decided we want it as it is. We're quite happy with it and you don't get vastly paid, but you get a nice little holiday out of it and uh, quite happy to do it. But at the same time, It's gradually edged away that I haven't got any cover now. You know, people do know the face face behind the voice. And as you said the other day, it was funny when you used to ring up at Manx uh, Manx Glass and Glaze. and uh, Can you put you through to the salesman, please? Yeah, I think. Oh, you say you're doing all right? Yeah, what's what's your problem? And then they would go quiet. Yeah, yeah and that they would they would say oh I'm, a, I'm, I'm after an appointment for Windows and, and a conservatory and stuff where have I heard your voice yeah, before yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'd say oh well you might have heard it on the radio oh Christ bloody hell and yeah, that was yeah. it like, and that's then, what I was
0: saying well, I was just, for the people listening when, when I rang yesterday having heard your voice for so many years yeah. to then kind of yeah hear it down the phone it's, it's yeah peculiar but it was like
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. well it's the only one I've got and uh, <laughs> I don't know what's happening this year genuinely, I no. don't think well there is a TT there's a strong possibility that uh, others might be doing it All oh, right, so
0: I've kind of got three questions just to finish up and that yeah. was one of them, how long do you envisage carrying that on for?
1: Well I have said I'd, I'm going to pack in next year right. I mean, it's like everything else um, you've got to have experience to do the job properly if you listen to me in the early days I was rubbish
0: don't worry we're like that on this podcast so we yeah, understand
1: uh, you know I mean others have been the same they just
2: it takes time to learn yeah, it you takes craft.
1: time and you yeah. can't you can't do anything but do it live so what you say live goes out to the world and yeah 73 I've done me bit Is there anyone being over the last few years shadowing you and kind of... No, this is the problem. Uh, No matter if for any reason there is a change in broadcasters, they'll have had to have submitted who they're going to use and it will be interesting to see that. Yeah, yeah. Whether it's the... We don't like change here, boy. We don't like change. (laughs) We don't like change. Yeah, uh, (laughs) But that's it. You you, you will... uh, Yeah, I would have to say I'd be... Big headed as I am, not uh, that you, you might be missed. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. For your stories. Yeah. yeah for the yeah. simple reason we've lived it so we can talk yeah, about yeah, it. Yeah. I often think uh, when you see the lineup for the television through whichever it is, Greenlight or in the past, North One, they got shut of the best fella. I love listening to Jamie Whittem, mm. but I don't feel as though. Uh, the kind of contribution that others make is as good. And bear in mind, no matter how critical you are of the commentary, the commentary that you hear is live on the race. You know full well that when they do those highlights on the telly, they're dubbing over what they already know. Yeah, oh yeah, for sure. So it's always frustrating when you've mentioned something mechanical that they will then say, oh, that doesn't sound too good. I think he's got a bit of gearbox trouble there like and all that. They've heard that a couple of hours earlier in the day and then they pick your brains because Parrish, Plater, they all walk around with the little Manx Radio earpieces in and they're thinking and Cameron Donald is the latest. Yeah, yeah, yeah but you've got to have a certain oh to be you've able got to have, you've got to have an, a, a confidence in your own ability and you've also got to be knowledgeable for obvious reasons and then you've got to transmit the 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 enthusiasm for the race as if you're watching it from quarter bridge yeah. and another thing that comes through is describing off the riders as they come you know had a Stella maris yeah. and and threw the box down yeah, and all the hairpin thing, and listening you know, yeah, yeah, gear and, yeah. and and ripping a visor off and people will say to you quite kind not trying to bull you up like but they're saying i could almost picture i could yeah. picture that yeah, yeah yeah so transmitting via uh, vocals thing you paint the picture for people yeah, who aren't the there. Yeah, sort of. yeah.
0: And I know, you know, I know that view down the road there. I suppose if you don't live on the island you might not, but you know the view but as you describe, sort of the shadows of the trees yeah, coming yeah. through throughout out of the light into the dark, yeah. at, you know, the just the damp spots, you know, and often comments yeah, and, yeah. and that type of thing. Yeah. It paint it does absolutely paint a picture.
1: Yeah. Uh,
0: so two other quick questions then. Favourite of a race? I have to name one,
1: just one. There's a few that I've commentated and I think that Hickman-Harrison battle right. would be one where I felt as though we relayed everything that was needed from Ramsey Hairpin to the to the bungalow and the change in the lead to 0.8 of a second from three seconds down. We had a similar situation with Bill Swallow and Bob Heath where they started in pairs and they were level on the road and it was going to be who went over the line at, at the end. Mm-hmm. I think I remember uh, that race as well. I mean, yeah. yeah, sentiment of wins. Uh, again, you know the Jackson family being involved yeah. with them, and when, when you get the uh, the the thing of knowing them from '74, and then you get the uh, the opportunity to commentate on his '86 win. Sadly, no longer with us, and still think of the lad. But uh-huh. yeah, it's just that's the way it yeah, is. Yeah.
0: I did have one more question, but it's kind of a a, a, neg- a negative type of question, which I don't want to ask, it's because we've had a great chat, and it's been really interesting. <laughs> so uh, I appreciate you coming down. i have been on a long time. I'm sure we could chat for an, another 20,000 hours, but uh, yeah, that was two and a half hours that just go in a blink of an eye. Was it? Uh, two and a half,
1: we sat here. And so talked without without notes. Yeah, for yeah. Two and a half hours. So
0: thank you. It's it's yeah. appreciated coming down and obviously taking a bit of time and hopefully, you know, I'm sure TT fans will love listening to you as much as I do. And I mean there's not in bigger one fans. go or not yeah. have thought. No, they will, they will, will be fine. <laughs> so appreciate your time, yeah. Roy, thank you. Yeah, no. What
1: what our final finale thing is when we always hand back from Ramsey and we say and it's the same when we hand back from here and now we hand you back to the grandstand. grandstand.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> thank you. Cheers. Do you want to tidy up, Matt?
1: Yep. Um,
3: so, wherever you're listening to us today, please like, subscribe, share, and leave those five-star reviews pretty, please. Social media, we're the M Word Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, Manx Sports Pod, and on Insta, the M Word IOM.
0: Cheers, Matt. Hope everyone found that interesting. Trip down memory lane as well. Some great stories in there. Oh, it's fascinating. Yeah. So, that's thanks fun. for letting us get into your ears. Word out from Martin. And word out from Matt.